on the Spencer's the Pez, Goking out at the cons, Renaissance Fest, Watch anime chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie, <laughs> sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the left to F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor, I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. Listen up, fanboys, it's the Fanboy Planet Podcast, and here's your host, Mr. Wednesday Night, Derek McCaw. That's Mr. Wednesday Night. That, that may be one of the uh, best uh, best names you've ever had for me, I thank you. This it's certainly one you could repeat. It was better than Mr. Hump Day. <laughs> <laughs> I missed my hump day. All right, so... Uh, this is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com, here for the Fanboy Planet podcast on Wednesday, March 26th, 2008. We took a week off, but we're glad to be back. With me, of course... I think it's because we were all drunk and hungover from St. Patty's Day, right? No. Uh, no, that really oh, wasn't yeah, it. I didn't but, drink but, okay, okay, but uh, maybe. Right. Anyway, of course, that, that was, of course, my announcer, Lon Lovable Lopez. How is everybody today? You're a great audience. Thank it's, you. It's too bad we don't have you a lot realize of audience. He's two L's, just like Lana Lang, Lois Lane, Lex, Lex Luthor. Yeah. Mm. LL Cool J. Is he a Superman date or villain? I'm going with villain. Okay. <laughs> and to my left... Sort of like the prankster. To my left is the illustrious... Rick Brett Snyder, about as far left as you can go. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, thanks for bringing those little politics in. That's yeah. good to know. That's good to know. No, he's just really on the other side of the table. Yeah. Oh, okay. To well, my far if left. I went any further left, I'd be on the wall. Yeah. Sure. That's all he meant. Whatever, Superman villain. <laughs> the jankster. There we go. So, uh, we got some things to talk about, of course, tonight. We've got some comics news. Uh, talk about Secret Invasion. Uh, talking about Virgin Comics, and we do mean the publisher. Uh, catastrophic Comics, and again, we do mean... The publisher. Your publisher. My publisher. That's a paid announcement. Full disclosure. Full disclosure. Thank you. We got movies, uh, some that uh, make Lon upset, some that do not. We got TV shows, some that make Lon upset, some that do not. But first of all, what time is it, Lon? Ding, 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 ding. Mail time. I'm just so impressed. <laughs> I know. That was, wow. It gets better every time. Okay, well, here we go. After, a la- I believe it was the last episode that we posted uh, that was called This Is For You, Stephanie. Yes. Uh, so, Stephanie, uh, Rodriguez wrote me a letter, but actually it's for Lon. This is for you, Lon. Play the soft music right now. Are, are there illustrations? In there are. Saying? There are. That's why you said it's a visual I had to say, say for this. Oh, Lon. You amuse me so much. Mm. Thanks for all those shout-outs on the previous podcast, even though they left me feeling slightly confused and awkward. Mission accomplished. You're really good at making people feel that way. Keep it up. I don't know what's going on half the time, but I still find you hilarious. For some reason, I think that you would make an adorable plushie. That's a really random thing to say, I know, but I absolutely believe that a lawn plushie would be so awesome. A talking lawn plushie would be especially cool, because then it would make weird yet endearing comments every so often. I bet the other podcasters would love it. Ha ha. Anyway, I couldn't make an actual lawn plushie, so I settled for an alternative. I had to watch one of your More on Life videos in order to get the face right. (laughs) Hope you like it. Here is an artist rendering... Of the new wow. More on Life Lawn Plushie. That's awesome. <laughs> that's uh, 
It's a bunch of concentric circles. I, I think, like, totally I think buy that. This would be easy to market to. Uh, I think to manufacture and market, don't you think? It's, oh, it's. I think it'd be easy to manufacture. Okay, fair enough, Rick. What's funny is, is that's not the first time I've been called a plushie. So, uh, yeah, it's good. I'm just really reassured that she doesn't understand half of what he's saying. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm so Get happy. in line, Stephanie. <laughs> Get in line. Oh. Anyway. So Fantastic. Because so we, we can keep the clean advisory on the podcast. <laughs> yes, but, you know, good. in all seriousness, though, how cool is that for somebody to, who, yeah. to actually listen to our podcast Take the time to write us a letter and do some stuff. And draw some bills. Good job. Thank you for our number one fan. Stephanie Rodriguez. Stephanie Rodriguez. Indeed. Yes, give it up. Because, you know, we haven't heard from anybody else this week. Uh, but that's all right. Although yeah, actually, Rob uh, Cordaway, you're slipping, buddy. You're actually, slipping. I did hear from Doc. Uh, he would like to come down and be a guest. And uh, so we'll just But no Mikey Wager. No, no. But, Mikey, we miss you. But we'll, you know, uh, but Doc brings up an idea that uh, I've been talking to a couple of people local pseudo celebs maybe to come by and and guest in hey we have a free mic tonight we do you know what i'm saying so if anybody walks in tonight but unfortunately uh chris garcia i believe is still in england yes that old bloke is in london Uh, and michael goodson still in rehab yes okay they tried to make him go but he said said, no 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 no. no. uh yeah too soon no 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 it's uh no it's right on time it's right on time he totally deserves that uh, so let's uh, get going then. For uh, this was one, of course, the section for uh, Michael Goodson's favorite person, Drew Preston, to tune out for a moment while we start talking about comics. Uh, I wanted to bring up tonight's Secret Invasion mainly because it's amazing what you pick up if you subscribe to celebrities' blogs on on MySpace. Uh, I've been a subscriber to Pat Oswalt's blog because, well, he's funny. Sure. And, and he's clearly a fanboy, so occasionally there's a really good comic-related joke that I wouldn't have thought otherwise. But to my annoyance, in the past two weeks, Pat Oswalt has been bragging in blog after blog that Brian Michael Bendis has uh, let him read the first six issues. We should explain that Brian Michael Bendis is a well-respected writer of comic books. I kind of assume. I know I shouldn't. I'm sorry. Brian Michael Bendis, who maybe listens to this, um, is the writer of Secret Invasion and the writer of many things. Ultimate Spider-Man, as is mentioned. Uh, yeah, I think we know him. Yeah. And apparently has been plotting Secret Invasion, Invasion for, for a years. long time. Yes. And uh, so, uh, man, Patton Oswalt has just been j- just drooling over this thing. And here was a series that I was like, eh. And now Patton's been like really pushed. But here's what's before really you Before you go into the hey. Patton thing, I have a quick side question. You just said he's been apparently plotting this for years. Yes. Wasn't there a storyline in, like, The Ultimates about a scroll invasion, secret invasion? Yes. Well, there was... Well, um, that was actually the first storyline of The Ultimates. So how can this be, like, a brand-new, original, cool idea when Marvel just pretty much put this out, like, a couple years ago? But and see what you don't understand was in the Ultimate Universe... They called him, like, the Chikari or no, something. No, in the Ultimate Universe, it was really only one book... And they didn't make nearly as much money as they could have uh, if they made it a so company-wide crossover. So they had a good yeah. idea that See, somebody... See, I don't think uh, you understand, Lon, how I get this it all now. works. I get now it now. You do. In other words, score. Score. Just, yeah. But actually, I've or got... Or screw creativity and originality. No, I don't think that's hard. Make is, money. This is, the, this is the Marvel way of kind of doing a retcon without doing a retcon. If that makes sense, to explain that, uh, like, I, I, I picked up that in the latest issue of Ms. Marvel, they're accusing Ms. Marvel of being a scroll because while she was off on an island 
sorting out, like fighting the brood and stuff, and no one knew where she was, the Skrulls took that opportunity to apparently have a Carol Danvers, a Ms. Marvel walking around on the helicarrier. So it's not so much that they're replacing right. as they've impersonated. They're messing with us. They're messing. And, and so one thing is for a writer like Bendis, who loves Frank Miller, and Miller has been pretty vocal in the past year in particular, suddenly about grumbling a lot about that Elektra came back from the dead. And then, of course, we know the first scroll exposed was Electra. Well, if you say that the Electra that came back from the dead in the first place was always the scroll, well, then Frank yeah. Miller's happy. You know, if that makes sense, that it's sort of like says there was a. Yeah, well, but Electra's come back from the dead like four or five times. Right, but the first time she died, it was expected for several years, and Jim Shooter had made the promise Electra would stay dead unless, unless Frank Miller revived her himself. And so. You know it, it, that promise was kept as long as Jim Shooter was there, and I think through one other editor in chief, who knows? You know, I think I was editor in chief for a while. It's that random, and uh, you know, then Joe Casada. It's not even Joe Casada, but part of Marvel Knights. I think the initiative brought brought her back, and it became more popular again. And Brian Michael Bendis, actually, one of his first books for Marvel was writing Elektra. Kind you know, of forget that. You know what's but, really brilliant about this whole secret invasion campaign that they're just starting to spin up? Every Marvel book, or at least most of them, have a center spread this this month or mm-hmm. last month that is the the Electris Scroll corpse there at the top being mm-hmm. being looked at by Reed Richards and I guess it's, maybe it's Hank Pym. Yeah, it's Hank Pym and Tony Stark. And, and Tony because Stark. I can tell you, it's not just every centerfold. It is now this week's Entertainment Weekly. That spread is part of the ten pages, the first ten but pages. If, but as you're reading the book, you, you're flipping the pages, and you turn to this, and and it's paced and patterned as if it's you've now shifted to another storyline in that same book. The first time I ran through, read through it, I must. I think I was reading an Avengers book. And I didn't think twice that this was just happening as part of the storyline. It's just a lot more seamless than those uh, Jeep ads, that, or the, 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 those SUV yeah. or ads. Or the stay-off-drugs ads. Anyways, I cut you off. You, let's finish your thought about Patton Oswalt. And- uh, no, he's just, been, he's just been raving about it and saying this is going to totally blow our minds this summer. And, and now it's in EW. And now the first 10 pages are in Entertainment Weekly with an interview with Brian Michael Bendis. And, you know, I mean, we're past the point of saying, hey, guys, we're mainstream. Because I think, I mean, we have, you know, comic book fandom has been... Not necessarily the people that are comic book readers, but, you know, fandom. Uh, awareness. Uh, awareness. Character awareness. As this very odd thing that I've been noting, you know, that, that Spider-Man club shirt I have, you know, how I cannot, li- I literally cannot wear that anywhere without someone feeling compelled to go, Spider-Man! <laughs> but if you wear, like, a Nike shirt, nobody goes, Nike! You know? But, <laughs> Depends on what part of town you're in. Yeah, especially, like, people learning English. They, they do They that. go, Nike! Nike! Uh, I can and they read. light their torches, and yeah. they come after me. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I think the character awareness and that feeling that everybody still feels like nobody knows these guys, but we do, you know? And it's yeah. like, but... Notice that everybody knows now. Anyway, but so it's in Entertainment Weekly, which is a Time Warner publication who owns DC. I don't see, but then there's a difference between Secret Invasion and Final Crisis. I think that you could pick up Secret Invasion and get a really good story and not have to know a lot of Marvel continuity except to know that the superheroes weren't trusting each other anyway, which but I'm sure is going to be handled. You went ahead and read those 10 pages. I did read those 10 pages. And so you're, that's based on your reading of those 10 pages. That's what I believe, is they set up yeah. Tony Stark really quickly. Um, well, that's cool. And if you've read, you know, I've been reading all along, it's like it's clearly that Tony Stark thing that I've enjoyed Bendis doing, 
with Stark is he's the only guy who really, to me, treats Stark as that alcoholic personality, that absolute conviction that he's right at all against all odds, uh, you know, at, at all costs, and that that's not always a good thing. So that's the only Tony, the writer of Tony Stark that I've actually really enjoyed. Well, except now that director of, of Shield series did I did warm up to it. Yeah, uh, that's the Knopf brothers, I think. Um, so he's got that. He's got Henry Pym that that spread there with Reed Richards and and that absolute panic that they've not they're not able to detect, detect them. Right. They don't know who it is. And Tony Stark saying basically one of you could be a scroll right now, and I have no way of knowing. So kind of like Battlestar Galactica, where the Cylons look like them. Yeah. Yeah. And then original, I like it. Yeah. No, well, I'm just like, kidding. Yeah, <laughs> what about that? The silence looking like them. Isn't that from V? I mean, for that matter. Um, I guess you know. But I, you know what? The funny thing is, as much as uh, much smack I'm going to talk about this, I'm actually excited about Secret Invasion. I haven't really read a lot of the Marvel books since Civil War because I just had such a bad taste in my mouth. And uh, I'm actually, you know, think that. This could be exciting and fun and hopefully maybe steer back the Marvel Universe to where it should be and make them what, you know, what fun I'd, comics again. What I'd like to believe, uh, though I'm, I'm not sure that's going to bear fruit, is that I could just truly read Secret Invasion and not read the, all the books connected to it. Do we know it. how many issues it's going to be or how many they're planning? I think it's, I think it's eight. So it's going to be their I'm, summer event? I'm not event. positive. It's going to be their big summer event. It comes out next week, the first issue. Um but I already know there's going to be like a Secret Invasion frontline frontline spinoff book. Like there's been that's for good. all frontline the other has always been a good book. Actually, it has been, you know, and that's kind of it's kind of kind of interesting. I I just uh, you know, was reading uh, Damage Control, mm-hmm. which was a comedic, another surprisingly good fair fair book. Yeah, and yet I'm kind of kind of bothered by it spinning out of World War Hulk, all the tragedy yeah. of World War Hulk, and then they're so funny. How oh, we have to clean up the city now? Yeah. <laughs> um, but wait, you know what? But it wasn't bad because the original Damage Control was a funny series too. Yeah. But didn't they never really tied this loose end up too? Didn't in one of the Civil War books they had made a point to say that one of the executives on Damage Control was actually like creating or like profiting from the bad events or something like that, or had had his hand in the the events of Civil War, like the explosion with the kids and stuff or something like that? Oh, well, because that was Tony Stark. There was suspicion that Tony Stark was... Uh, well, there was that, too. And which is they revealed in Damage Control that um, the charter, the original investors were Tony Stark and Wilson Fisk. Mm. And Tony Stark sold his shares in Damage Control because... No, but I thought in the Wolverine book there was a storyline. There might have been. And granted, this is all continuity that nobody cares about anymore and it's all going to be retconned later. Closer reading of Wolverine than I've done. I can't keep track. Sorry to bring that up. thing that I'm sure that somewhere along the line the scrolls are impersonating Wolverine since Bendis has been consistently harping on that joke about Wolverine seems never to sleep and he seems to be on three teams at once. Uh, You know, so... it's a way out of that one, uh, so I mean, it looks kind of kind of interesting, and I recommend if people can catch it online this this interview or pick up, I guess, this week's Entertainment Weekly, and and read the interview with with Bendis, in which he also talks about he's writing a pilot for HBO. I didn't get a chance really? to read through, but that's one of the little little uh, preview things. That comes, uh, I don't know. Oh, okay. Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, you know, one of the best recurring things in Entertainment Weekly, and I may cut this out later, but. Um, Stephen King writes the last page yes. in a lot of the issues, and really a good read. Every I think time. every third issue, the is... King of Pop. Yeah, it's like yeah. once every four, I think. Or is yeah. it the Pop of King? 
King of Pop. No. No, the Pop of Pop King. Of King. Pop of King. I've, I know. I, I Well, because I think Stephen King is just, well, he's a great writer. He's yeah. a great commentator. That's, a, that's what's so interesting about him. But that's what's going to be about his writing. I hear he's a, a scroll. <laughs> it does explain a lot. Yeah. It actually does. How does he write so many books so fast? You know what I mean? I don't. I, I kind of weird, isn't it? I don't know. That is, oh, my gosh. It does explain a lot about the uh, Dark Tower series. Yeah, which is Crisis on Infinite Kings, but uh, mm, nice. Yeah, it is. Uh, so we got weirdly because you know there's this, this struggling actor in Hollywood. Let me talk about him. You know, crossover to comics, comics and movies a little bit. A struggling actor who really just has not hit it big with a franchise yet. Is he uh, Australian? Yeah, mm. you know what I'm talking about. It's hard think, to break you know, into the business. It's really hard when you're an Aussie. Uh, this little guy. I mean, I don't know if you've seen him. I know he was in Oklahoma. He was but in a stage dance? revival of of Oklahoma. Hugh Jackman. Uh, you know, we just he, doesn't, he definitely is in need of a franchise. Hugh Jackman signed on with Virgin Comics. It was announced this week, and with uh, in conjunction with the writer Mark Guggenheim, who's done some interesting stuff. I think I love his museum. Yeah, why did I know that was going to be the thing out of your mouth? Uh, just go with it, baby. Yeah. Just go with it. They they are well. Hugh Jackman is creating quote unquote uh, a series called Nowhere Man. Which of course oh we, that Fox uh, TV show oh shh and that was uh, WB or UPN I think it was UPN oh, I thought it was Fox uh, somebody write in I think it was Fox somebody write in no I no honestly when I first read that post I was all wasn't this a show already yeah. nowhere man well you know what I, th- I always think wasn't this a Beatles song so Hugh Jackman's gonna gonna play that little um, fuzzy blue thing that goes around going hey, uh, in Yellow Submarine. <laughs> Uh, that's how good he is. A meanie? He, no, no, no. There's uh, there's another guy in there, yeah. a good guy that teams up with him. They sing Nowhere Man too. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, it's part of Virgin's push. Now wait, now I read the, the part of the post. I didn't read the whole thing, which you probably have all the info on. But it basically it's another one of those Virgin products projects where they attach a celebrity, but then have like other comic creators write and draw it. So it's right. Like, yeah. What, what are we dealing with here? Right. Well, he's got to collaborate with Jenna Jameson, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Well, Jenna Jameson uh, collaborated with Christina Z on uh, Shadowhunter. I did finally read the first issue. Did you, either of you guys get through it? Uh, I could not get through no, it. No, it was horrible. I couldn't. Like, even, like, Emphasis on the horror. Like the but, art, <laughs> it, you mean the horror? Uh, yes. I'm sorry. So the, um, Just a speech impediment. I thought the problem. artwork wasn't bad. No, but... but to, you need words to help you turn the page. You know what I mean? It like, was it's incomprehensible. Just, it's yeah. one of those. I, what is it about? I guess dark fantasy where people think that if you are just vague and you sound like uh, portentous enough, that that takes the place of actual plotting or sense. Because it's worked for Lady Death for years, and maybe the emo kids will and, pick it up. And, and Witchblade. Like, wow, I mean, my theory so is Christina Z. Witchblade's got a little bit more to it. But. Christina Z was famous for having written. A, a long run on Witchblade, Witch and that's why they chose her for this. And what I felt was this was sort of like, boy, this is mining all the same territory that I understood Witchblade to have. Now, to be fair, I really haven't read that much of it. It just never, you know, particularly appealed to me. But um, not even the series. So the TV series. So I, I, I don't it was, know. It was bloody and gory, but for like no reason. It you just, didn't really understand. It just it made like, no sense. Well, there so, was a lot of history. I mean, if you got into the series, you, there no, was, no, we're talking about Shadowhunter. Oh, pardon. Yeah, me. yeah. 
Sorry. I'll, I'll stop trying to defend the wrong. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, if you like Witchblade, look, clearly proofs in the pudding. That thing's been very successful. Yeah. And and there may be more to it. I've just not, and it's no offense to, to Silvestri, to the people at Top Cow, that particular dark supernatural line just never really caught my attention. Right. So, Well, I think it goes back to what we've always said with the indie comics is like, you got to have a good story to get people to come back and read these books. And it's like, you know, you got to have a page turner. You know what I mean? Right. And You're so, competing with Marvel and DC. Right. And, and, and you know, so we've like, had all these things for Virgin. So I maybe we'll see with, with Hugh Jackman. We've also had uh, Nicholas and his, Nicholas Cage and his son, <coughs> Weston, with their voodoo child, which I wasn't. Did a, that have a second episode? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's had several. How many? I don't know. It's been did, at least five issues. Did they give us a, a oh, okay. plot summary of Nowhere Man? Or? I didn't see one yet, but it may be too and soon. Is it going to be like all the char- like Hugh Jackman is going to star in this comic? I don't know. I mean, because it's clear to me, like it's not clear in Voodoo. I think in Voodoo Child, legitimately, Nicolas Cage's heart was in the right place. It was like he just wanted to be involved in the comic book, mm-hmm. and I and he's going to, or he had, his production company bought the rights to the Sadhu, which is uh, another book that uh, that Virgin. Uh, had put out and um so you know the cage is an unknown collector of comics so you know it really was just he wanted to create a, a property he not necessarily son not necessarily a property to uh yeah kal-el uh it, not necessarily a property for him to star in um whereas ed burns won doc walloper i could see him playing that guy mm. that the, the doc walloper if he's not too old and that wasn't horrible you know, wasn't bad. Okay, what, but one that you and I really liked. Wait, wait before we go to that, okay. two things I want to talk about before that. Uh, the other news from Vir- let's make this a Virgin segment. So, the the other news <laughs> that was late. big that we missed last week for not being here was that another Virgin comic that I got a chance to preview was the Stranded. Did you get a, Did you get a copy of that? I have a copy. Um, no Definitely. offense to the Stranded. I was it was late at night. I opened it and I fell asleep on the first page. It's not 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 the stranded's fault. I was just tired. You know, it was a bad time. And well, I, didn't I get read back it, to it. Okay. and uh, confused, not really feeling it. Um, and just, that, and that's part of like Virgin has already divided itself. How long has Virgin been a, around? Two like years? Three years? Two years? Maybe uh, longer than that. No, uh, no, it was just two Comic Cons ago that we that uh, Goodson and I sat in with Deepak Chopra and Grant Morrison, okay, sorry, and that too. was the launch of Virgin. So, um, did Deepak do a series of comics prior to that? No, Deepak did not. Although his first with Joshua M. Dysart's coming out, Buddha number one coming soon. I will, and let me just finish but, real fast. The yeah, but the, but the Stranded is part of their sci-fi. I, well, it just got sci-fi. picked up. It but, was, it, but on the cover, it also it's part of. Sci-fi's. Oh right, right, right. It was in jun- a conjunction with. So not really a surprise that the Sci-Fi right. Network would actually pick this up. But, but anyway, they, yes. but but Virgin has succeeded. And this is the point I wanted to make. Basically, Virgin succeeded in getting one of their books optioned or created or licensed to create a, a, a TV show or another form of media for their one of their properties. And the the one comment I wanted to make about Virgin Comics is we can sit there and talk about their books and you know how we don't like or dislike or whatever. But don't you think it's? I mean, in a weird way, should we not be impressed with what they have? Attempted and accomplished in a couple short years, and to at least bring that that power and that PR to well, at least bring like I don't know maybe I don't know if it's excitement back to comics yes, or indie comics. Yes but. and no because I don't think I mean I do think they do some really solid stuff. 
I look at that and I feel a little sad for Virgin hmm. for their well one like oh gee they're backed by a billionaire, mm-hmm. um, which didn't help CrossGen, but okay. Uh, they're you know they're backed by a billionaire who has a lot of contacts contacts, not and context I'm sure, uh, but. So from right there, when you say and and Gautam Chopra is you know the son of Deepak Chopra, so there's there's already this you know kind no, of they, so they've got a little there. little royal. What blood I feel in there or whatever, but. bad for that company is that I think the books they do the best on are things like Devi and the Sadhu and uh, their uh, the Ramayan Reloaded. Um, you know the, the the original intent of the company was to bring the mythology or a viewpoint of the Asian subcontinent that we don't. Uh, we have a lot of, I mean, obviously in, in the United States, a lot of right. of people from India and Pakistan and, and who have grown yeah, up with these mythologies. but as a company, they have to evolve. And I mean, right. Well, in, 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 a, in a year and a half, almost two years, they ha- those things still exist, but the successes they've had, and I think that speaks to our culture, their successes that they've had have been those things where they pandered to us instead of what their original intent was. Or, but also, too, they've pandered to the Hollywood crowd by bringing... Everybody's pandering to the Hollywood well, crowd. Well, sure. But what I'm saying, though, is I think, like I said, I'm not really impressed with their books, but I'm impressed with their effort in trying to at least push the genre still. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's in the market where we're at right now. And I do want to say... Just, yeah. And, and it's just, I don't know. I don't know if we... That's that's my question I pose to these guys. Like, should we not be... I'm impressed by, Virgin, impressed by because Virgin... Because Virgin... Because they didn't go belly up in two no, years. They've you know? kind of over. Well, again, they're backed by a billionaire, but they they've sort of. I feel overstretched themselves. It's hard to keep track of everything they've got. But like, I'm still enjoying Dan Dare. I, I know you didn't like it as much, but I like the revival of Dan Dare. I was kind of like, oh, that's you know, it's, it's, it's growing on me slowly. It's it, it's well, and they've got the backing to stay alive long enough for maybe everybody to, to have it grow on. I really thought that their initial offering, this is really Debbie, an Indian superhero, that was cool, the Sadhu. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's, you know, that what? And the, you're saying in, they weren't successful with those? Well, they've had to relaunch them a couple of times. They're like on V3, version 3 of them right. now. Um, they just kind of disappeared. They just weren't selling particularly well. I've never picked one up, but it seems to me when you're going to compete with Marvel and DC, you differentiate yourself in some really recognizable And And that was their initial way, was of being very, you know, a very... Um, yeah, Indian, I guess, for lack of uh, a more politically correct or accurate phrase. I mean, because it's the it's the stories of India, the myths that of is Hinduism. The politically correct. That is back term, in, unless you're talking about American. See, it's, it's 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 so hard. Uh, so I mean, and and those were good books. Snake late, Snake Woman, a really good horror book uh, about a, gr- a girl in America discovering that she was like this, you know. This Hindu and let's not forget though too that, that yes we've got all the big names and the billionaire backing it mm-hmm. and every, on the celebrities but let's not forget the indie artists and writers or you know or some established indie writers who are the backbone of these stories and, and comics. Well, and, let's turn to the one you really liked okay. because I really liked it too. Uh, it's a celebrity, a pseudo celebrity, Jonathan Mostow, who is a writer director. He did U five seven one with uh, probably one of the few. Um, Wasn't that with Bon Jovi? Bon Jovi and yeah. one of the few, to me, one of the few watchable, I believe, Matthew McConaughey films that actually puts the it's the exception that proves the rule to I hate Matthew McConaughey because I did like U five seven one, and he directed Terminator three Rise of the Machines. Didn't oh, didn't write it, but it wasn't a bad film. He, I thought he did really well with that material. He created this book called The Metas. 
Megas. Megas. The Megas. Right. I'm sorry, not the Metas. I'm thinking DC. Mm-hmm. The Megas. And I think, oh, did they even write down? Yeah, I did write the Megas. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, which did you get a chance to I've read this? Read it. Okay, I'll have to pass that over to you because it was actually a really interesting read. I could see this. I was surprised. I could see this. I liked him for a couple of reasons. One, he took a writer. He he tapped a friend who was not really a big comics writer to adapt it, and then he took a storyboard artist that he liked that had never drawn comics before. And I wish I could remember the names because these guys really deserve credit. The storyboard artist does a bang up job with this book. It's like Did you get a, it uh, felt like a real like oh we just discovered somebody that I'm gonna like. Right, he's solid. It's like sixties. Did you, know, you get a Howard Chaykin feel from him? Yeah. I got a, a Howard little Howard Chaykin feel. feel, a little 60s adventure strip, you know, just like, like comic strip kind of thing. Uh, Dan Barry or, uh, or uh, even I'd say Is it on the shelves right now? Uh, it might be. I'll it go might check. be. Why don't you go check? Um, but I'll pass it over. It was just, it was an interesting idea. And I could see it very easily adapting to a, to a film, film or a television series. I think more likely because I think audiences are more forgiving on television for convoluted backstory. And the idea, really? yeah, I think so. The idea is that uh, the gov- that the United States government is a monarchy and always has been, and that the megas are sort of like th- this. Oh, this is sounding familiar. Separate. Um, they've always been like this family that was very scientifically advanced and part of the Renaissance and really pushed things, hounded. So instead of coming, instead of Puritans so coming to America, involved or something for them, well, they become yeah. very royalistic, yeah. very militaristic. And um, oh, I have seen this. and they've had like 400 years of inbreeding, so they all have. So if you're part of the royal family, there's white hair. They're almost almost albino. Yeah. And so I mean, it's it's an interesting trope. On the as he said, it's a good story, but don't we kind of feel that way anyway? Like there's like there really is sort of this sense of a monarchy. And, I, I just missed the whole conversation, but and it's grounded. With a solid crime story. Did you get to that yet? No, I hadn't. I was about to get okay. there. And so it's based awesome. around Awesome. I come back and I have the, the right perfect moment. Perfect timing. At yes. the, so basically a murder happens, uh, a scandal involving one of the royal family, and we are following a, a normal uh, detective who is part of an organization whose job it is to prove that justice serves the entire society, not so just... So he's the focus of the story. Yes. Which is, but, so but, it's kind of like the... So it's told from the guy, the point of the guy... It's a TV show that has... Um, um, Donald Sutherland on it now. The, uh, oh, dirty, filthy money. Yeah, is that yeah, right? Is yeah. that right? The right Mad Yeah. No, Which dirty. the focus in there is the lawyer who runs. Mm-hmm. And so this guy, this guy's it. got to prove he's stuck between um, two worlds. Where basically everybody, put, no, everybody, put in the, in everybody in the everybody in the police believe on the police force believes that of course his job as the special investigator for the government is to cover up. Anything involving the royal family. But stop right there. Look what you've just talked about. You know what I mean? Like so many story layers that are in this yeah, no, that I make it loved, interesting. I loved that book. I'm just and saying. It's, yeah. And, and it's, it's like if we can get more of that from Virgin to at least, you know what I mean? Like you need good stories. And this know, the, one. I have to back you up on this. The art, the art style is incredibly Yeah, Rick shaken. is just looking for, through this right it's now. It's incredibly Chaikin-esque, especially the panel breakdowns. With like inset panels and the way he's mm-hmm. doing this, but also I this guy's influenced by Howard. He's he's influenced by Howard, but it I, I it wasn't like distracting. It's not derivative. It's not um, derivative. It's not it's not like a Chaykin Studio thing. I mean, and Chaykin was originally going from you know John Severn and a lot of guys from the '40s and '50s that have kind of gotten left behind. Yeah. So I mean, this is a guy who looked around and really, if you're gonna look, if you're gonna steal a layout concept, oh yeah. 
you know, Chaikin is underrated mm-hmm. and, and is not given, whether you like his art or not, what that guy did to break, break new ground in storytelling for comics. Speaking of which, American Flag Collected. Coming back. This and summer, right? Did you read the story behind that? That the original art is all gone. That it was just that none of it existed. So they had to go back to print comics, scan those in, and redo all the color oh and goodness. line art. Oh, wow. So what for, an immense for audience that doesn't know who we're talking about, Howard Chaikin, uh, who I've, I've sat through so many panels where people go, "Really, you drew Star Wars?" Was I was going to say, is that he, drew the, he drew the original adaptation of Star Wars for Marvel Comics and then quit after nine issues. And he did an interview with nine me. Nine great issues. Nine great issues. He, he gave an interview with me where he said, you know, basically it's because he was too old for it. He just didn't get why people just love Star Wars. He was just too old. Um, so you can look that up on Family Planet. A really good interview with him. I, I, I love talking to Howard Chaikin. But one of the, the, the seminal series that really just certainly cemented me as a total hardcore fan uh, was American Flag. One of, from First Comics, I yes. think, originally. First Comics. Um, I think it bopped around a couple of different publishers eventually. but uh, Yeah, it just had a couple of different series. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, was just this amazing, ahead of its time, uh, as far as his use of text, I mean, when I talk about like integrating and subtext, integrating and media insertion, integrating uh, sound effects into into the panel in an incredible way. And American Flag is the satire of uh, like 2015, I think, or yeah, yeah uh, of of America American cultural mores all the way with through. Randall Flag, who was uh, yeah. the sort of like softcore porn detective television star yeah. in Trump Lamography, which was 3D TV, man, and. That's, that's and, done with, and done with and done with holograms. Uh, Trump homography is what replaced him, so that he was able to become. He goes and becomes a cop, and it's just not only is it ripping into society, but it's also it, very funny. It, and it's funny. It's sexy. It's terribly sexy. It's uh, <laughs> terribly sexy. <laughs> you guys are like uh, recording the commercial for it right now. You're all hey, it's funny. It's funny. funny. It, it's it, terribly sexy. They're 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 welcome to take it because it's a great series. It's being reprinted this summer in hard in hardcover collections. Omnibus edition for the first time in in decades. And obviously, Ever. and it's lost. I mean, obviously, you know. Artwork loss, and it's well worth it. It's just, and there are things in You're there. Gushing. We don't even know what You're price gushing. it's at, and it's well uh, worth it. <laughs> I don't care. Seventy-five dollars, probably where they're shooting at for printed edition. I'm willing to say um, yeah. I'm, I'm at least putting it on my Amazon wish list and hoping that my can, wife can, didn't hear about the terribly sexy part and buys it for me. Can us poor uh, comic readers find any trades of this anywhere? I think there are a couple of trades, but they're old. They're long out of print, and they're mm. pretty expensive. They were graphic novels. They're, I mean, they were oversized graphic novels for Collections, it. yeah. And wasn't there know, just recently one. a rehash in the last like year or two of like a, at least a one-shot or... No, they didn't I bring think back. So, no, right. someone was going to do. Oh, it. I'm thinking Challengers of the Unknown. Challengers of the Unknown. Okay. But you know, and the thing is with these with these trades, it's like, well, you know, as we a couple of weeks ago, Dave Stevens passed, and I tried to put a link on the site for like some Rocketeer stuff, and the Rocketeer trades are like out of print, and it's yeah. like the cheapest you can get used is seventy bucks. Yeah, and you know, it, it's weird to think of trade paperbacks that way. Like, they, shouldn't they just be in print and we see, could I all loved, get to see these I love Dave Stevens' art from the first time. I wasn't making a lot of money when that came out, but I bought three copies of everything that he did. Well, it's I'm in my a, garage somewhere. I'm a rocketeer nut. Yeah. Uh, so I have the laser disc. Well, to finish up on that, then. <laughs> yeah, you're a nut. <laughs> to finish up on our Virgin you section. Me. I know. Sorry, Virgin. But that's we how like they carried the away. The Megas was great, and I'm hoping to see more from them like that. Um 
Okay, so it goes to another another comic book publisher that uh, I gotta say, you know, I know one of the things as as any upstart comic book company's got to say, we're looking for the adaptation to movies or television, catastrophic comics, which I am full disclosure working for as editor, uh, started by William Cat, hence the cat. Catastrophic, even though the who is William spelled. Cat? That name sounds familiar. Really, we have to say that again? Yeah, all right. Yeah, uh, played on television. The greatest American hero was in the horror film House. Red suit, big fluffy uh, blonde hair. hair. Blonde hair. He was, uh, and this is. Oh, I see that guy at conventions all the time. No, you don't. No, the the red suit and the flu- and the fluffy hair. Oh. Somebody's always dressed up like him. Oh, okay. I was trying to make that joke, Derek, but thanks. Okay. Thanks for blowing well, it. Uh, all right. Um, and, uh, of course, for me, the geekiest thing is that uh, he was Pippin in the televised version of the Bob Fosse musical. And uh, that's me is the coolest part. That's how lame I am as a drama teacher. Uh, but So, Catastrophic Comics Catastrophic is... Comics is listed this week in, oh. in Diamond Previews with their first book, Sparks. Which is a superhero film noir kind of thing. I I've, I likened it as what if heroes had been written by Raymond Chandler. Ooh, and, and, I don't even know what that means. No, I know. Um, and from what I saw of it, it would have to have been um, shown on HBO late night. Yeah, well, we edited a couple of those. That's why I did my uh, job it's as editor. Terribly sexy. Uh, there, well, there were a couple of nude scenes, and I I said uh, please. Um, Change those once I saw those. So yeah, I did show you uh, the did pages. Did you uh, magic marker bikinis over I them? I did. Okay. Um, <laughs> I gotta say one thing: is how nude Why it was. Why is she wearing electrical tape? Yeah, yeah, you know how nude one of the scenes was that I didn't realize uh, who the character was supposed to be when nude. Laura and then, Bush. And then when they drew, no, it was supposed to be a uh, Barbara Bush. It was supposed to be a policewoman, and I. I didn't get that. I mean, I'd read the script, and it just said like the script said a, a woman, and then when they and then I, they'd gone off and taken care of that without without me behind my back, and then they sent me that page, and I went, "Oh, see now that makes a lot more sense." You know, <laughs> it was just kind of you know. So that's my job there to go uh, less nudity. So please. it's PG thirteen, or uh, I say it's PG thirteen. Okay. Um, I wouldn't. Honestly, it's another book, and I'm not going to say let my kids read. It's it's it's, it's gritty. It's uh, it's basically got the story structure of the old film noir of. of oh, it had a fair amount of violence. DOA, I mean. yeah, and uh, DOA, not the Dead or Alive video game, but the movie with Evan O'Brien it was remade in this uh, movie with Dennis Quaid, um, and uh, but with with kind of superheroes, I we've kind of got this tagline now of. Uh, is that uh, being a superhero has is is just too, has just too high a price, but Destiny keeps demanding payment, and uh, so wow, yeah, wow, you like that one. It's yeah. almost like uh, I came up. Did with you that. write that? I did. Your I'm body's pretty... writing checks that your uh, yeah. heart can't, or yeah, your heart's yeah. writing checks your body yeah, can't. So, cash. Um, so it's kind of a kind of a, a good with J.M. Ringette, who is. It's not a mainstream art style, but I really, I really like it. Uh, well, good. I'm glad I do because you know. Well, when can we check editing. it out? When can we find it on the uh, shelves? It's going to come out in June, so it's uh, look for it in previews this this and month. That's Sparks, Sparks, like that band I like. I love Sparks. The band. like that rapper I like, Bubba Sparks. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, but it, Diamond went nuts. I mean, there's like a, there's a two page uh, spread with an interview with Bill Cat. And uh, then it got a staff pick of the month, and uh, and then a little spotlight spot in there. So, hopefully, that would be enough. But if not, you know, you can you can check out preview art on Fanboy Planet as well. As I sent art out to a lot of different websites, and hopefully, you know, others will pick up on it as well. I believe Comics to Film uh, is going to do a, a piece on it uh, very shortly. So, well, having read the first issue, I think it was the full. Yeah, issue, you read right? the first full issue. Uh, solid, solid book. 
No doubt about it. Yeah, well, good. Thank Hopefully you. Hopefully, we'll Thank you. Well. Yeah, anyway, I, I haven't read the whole. thing. And we should be talking about the, be able to talk about the second book from the mythology wars. We'll be, uh, hopefully, within the month, we'll be able to get to uh, start sending out and, and let you guys certainly read the uh, first issue and see how sweet. that goes. I like I that mean, book too. It's no Tony Loco, but sweet. Oh shush. Anyway, um, I got that. Yeah. No, I'm leaving that in. Oh, okay. You wound me, man. No, this one, I, I guarantee, uh, one, uh, I believe five issues of Sparks are done. Is there a Wikipedia page for Tony Loco? Not that I'm aware of. There should be. Should there be? Um, we'll see. Uh, Sparks has, I think, five issues done, and uh, so, so you know, we're there. Co- do you we think are, we might be able to... Uh, we're committed to seeing this look, one all the way through. Do we, are, can we look forward to a possible uh, in-signing of... Uh, the issue once uh, yes here at elusive here comics at elusive and comics and games at uh, where is that where are we oh yeah hey we're podcasting from elusive comics and games two seven two five El Camino Real Suite one hundred four in Santa Clara we like to mix it up a little bit you never know where that that pro- promo is going to be drop on by on a Wednesday night see us making fools of ourselves absolutely and we're dressed like fo- well no I'm only dr- I'm the only one dressed like a fool I'm tonight fine yeah, and you, you can uh, if you show up early you might be one of the first uh, hundred uh, listeners to get a lawn plushie. So, yeah. Is that some sort Check of euphemism? Out. Oh, right. It's back to that letter at the yeah. beginning. Uh, yeah. Huh. So an effort uh, from a PG-13 book to uh, an all-ages thing. Um, DC has continued their effort to give uh, comics to the little children, and they released DC's Super Friends last week. Did either of you guys pick that up? No. I, I flipped through it. Based and... on the current Mattel TV uh, toy line, which Sorry. it says on the cover. No, no, no. It's okay. I flipped through it, and it basically looked... Exactly. It looked like, what, 23 pages, 23 page ad for the toys. Here's what, yeah, I got, so I I gave this to my son last week. He just turned four. So first was, so are they kid versions of them? Is this them as kids? The funny thing is they're all drawn like they're toys. Yes. So they're all like very wide and and like toy-like looking. So it's like Lego Star Wars. So it was was actually confusing to my son. And so I I don't know. This is just one four-year-old's reaction. We read through it three times. He did kind of like it. And I got to say, you know, there's something nice about a message where they're constantly, you know, it's all very pro-social. You can be... A, you don't have to... Powers don't make a super... Because the first villain is Professor Ivo with Amazo. One little joke that you don't... That only a longtime fan will get is that Prof- Professor Ivo says, you know, the, the super friends are always in my way. I want to make a lot of money, uh, help mankind, and live forever. And it's only a reference to the fact that Ivo does eventually become immortal. But he, he builds Amazo, and... And Mazo's kind of that squat as well, looking like the like the toy thing. Uh, so we've read through it, you know, three times. And at the end, they say Ivo's mistake was that you know powers don't make a hero. It's it's would be your willingness to help people and be a friend and be you know it's like okay, good stuff for little kids. It's definitely so now you know. So now you know exactly. Well, you know, it's nice to see superheroes back that up because they used to all the time. I mean, remember yeah. in the '70s, you'd get those ads: "Justice for all includes children." And you'd have those houses where Superman or Batman would come in. Reading is fundamental. Reading, you know. Oh, exactly. So I, you know, I was okay with that. And then there was like a little factoid page where they'd have like the origin of Superman and then, you know, mazes and things for the kids to do. So it's like a comic book coloring book combo. It's mazes on, are great because the kids will do those in pen and more mint copies for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's on, it's on old school newsprint and they, and they make an effort to keep the price down to two twenty five. Okay. 
You know, so, I mean, my son liked it. He's just been very confused by that as an art style. And it's kind of like, I do wish they'd just do a normal looking book. Yeah. Because it's also juxtaposed. You're flipping through. And I'm trying to teach my son how to follow panels. Because he doesn't. He just goes, well, what's the most, the splashiest image for him is where he focuses on a page. So you've got the Super Friends on one side. And then there's an ad for New York Comic Con by Andy Kubert, or Joe Kubert, with Batman, Superman, and Hawkgirl. My son says Bob he doesn't Boom. like Hawkgirl. He she scares him. Um, you know, but he'll get over that. Yeah, he'll get over that. But it's like that is confusing to the kids. And then there's like, and then you go to another one. And then there's the house ad for Wonder Woman with the, uh, you know, I can't remember who's drawing him now, but drawing her now because uh, she's no him the way she's drawn. You know, and then there's a Batman, and it's just like, could you just leave the mainstream DC universe out of it for just a few issues? Yeah. And let these kids <laughs> get adjusted to this weird, um, strange, blocky thing. But the funniest thing about it was I handed it to my son, and he says, is this a comic book just for me? And sadly, my children do talk like that. Uh, and he says, just for me? And I said, yes. Yes, this is this is your comic book. And he said, I'm not a grown-up. I, I can't have a comic book of my very own. <laughs> so, uh, oh, and this is why DC has to make these, and Marvel both have to make those efforts. And, well, you know, I get it, is that for my son, you know, it's like daddy's the one with all the comics. <laughs> and he says my archive editions, and we re- read through some of those, but he's like, he has to ask. He can't just take it off the shelf. He has to ask you me know, if it's okay to read it. On a side note, I still think Marvel's missing a huge, huge opportunity with by, Spider-Ham? by not pushing Spider-Ham. I think I agree with you. I think they could be just rolling in the kid money. I want a goose yeah. rider. Because, exactly. you know, like earlier tonight here at Elusive Comics, I saw a girl, probably about my daughter's age, eight or nine years old. She'd seen Ghost Rider the movie. So she picked up a copy of Ghost Rider on the stand. So mm-hmm. the latest issue. And her parents let her buy it. And, I, and the, because what do you know? Well, that wasn't the greatest American family. <laughs> no, but... <laughs> That's true, because Ghost, Ghost Rider has a letters column in the back where there's regularly uh, letters from bikers with with photos of their tattoos of Ghost Rider. And he got his powers from Satan. So uh, No, apparently that's, no, no, that's no, the that's new that's shift right, now. Right now. now. Well, Satan, in the movie. Yeah, but now Satan revealed that his big trick was he actually uh, anchored a, a, an angel. angel. It's definitely got a very vertigo feel well, now. you know what yeah. Satan's biggest trick was? Proving to the world, the world he, he doesn't, doesn't exist. exist. Yes. Thanks, whatever. Thanks, <laughs> Kaiser Soze. <sighs> I love how you guys did that in unison. That was great. Yes, yes. Um, so, you know, anyway, that's the that's the four-year-old review of Super Friends. The next book out of their child, children's thing is uh, Billy Batson and the Power of Shazam, so by Mike Kunkel, who did Hero Bear and the Kid. I'm not sure when that's coming out, but I'll be picking that up for my kid as well, and we'll have another four-year-old well, review. Well, hats off to DC for at least Making seeing that effort. they have to... In order to keep their business thriving in 20 years or 10 years, they've got to get kids interested in comics and, you know, and way, and to, they, and look, it's, and it's, way to help them read and learn. And, and you know the action, I mean? even though the action figures look silly, you know what? Marvel's been making a killing with those superhero squadron things from, from Kenner. And I would much rather have those, the DC Super Friends, where they all look friendly. They're using the John Stewart Green Lantern, so I'm all for the diversity that's included there. And... You know, even I still think it's funny that the vehicle is my first Batmobile. Because you bet my son's going to graduate to another Batmobile. In fact, we just, you know, he turned four. We took out the Lego Batmobile. Awesome. Yeah. Well, there you go. Awesome. Keep the dream alive. With Two-Face. Then it gets awkward explaining the whole Two-Face thing. Right. Uh, but, you know, that's okay. Uh, 
as we transition to movies, let's go with a comic book property that just came out that just got picked up by what was it Universal? Oh gosh, no, I who wish just I bought did the this? Research. I don't know. Okay, well, here's a I mean, it's a comic book title that Lon has to be angry with himself that he did not first write it. Um, <laughs> Talking about my reviews. Huh? Yes, I am. Yeah. Uh, that uh, uh, Mark Millar and John Romita Jr. It's just actually just Miller. Miller, Mark Miller, and uh, John Romita Jr. John Romita Jr. came out from. They're the fourth Icon book from Marvel. Icon being Marvel's new creator, not new anymore, but creator owned. Line it's of books, kind of like their Marvel Knights line, right? It's kind but of the, like they're all, themed, but none of them are in continuity, right? right so right. we've had the Dream oh. Police from J. Michael Straczynski. The Dream Police, and the, that why one? did I even pause? Because oh, okay. I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. I couldn't stop it. Um, oh yeah, I couldn't. Oh yeah, I can't. Have you seen him? He's scary. No, I'm just saying, like the why? Those are the next. Do two you lines, really so start a whole <laughs> comic line off a cheap trick song? Come and, on. Uh, well, because the first Icon book was uh, Powers. Actually, they're five because Kabuki is uh, there from uh, isn't David Kabuki Mack? from David Mack? That's, I thought he was always doing Kabuki for the longest time. Wasn't no, no, no. But he but he transferred he it over to the Icon because you know once you got Marvel's backing, you can actually po- afford to have a bigger print run. Hmm. So I know we haven't seen many issues of Kabuki from him since, but I believe that's part of the Icon line. Uh, and then uh, Ed Brubaker's Criminal, which is a great uh, crime story thing going on. I would hope so. Yes, and then this one from John Romita Jr. and and Mark Miller, Kick Ass. Uh, which is about a kid who decides quite logically that... Um, it's a kid in the quote-unquote real, real world, world, not the Marvel Universe. Our world. Right. Yeah, uh, which Mark Miller likes going to that well because he said he's going to do that Marvel 1985 series as well in which the villains uh, come from the Marvel Universe into the real world. Um, so, yeah, I, I read it. I thought it was it was interesting, uh, I guess. Did you like idea. it, though? I mean, not particularly. I didn't you know, really I would have liked it a lot better if they didn't start with the big reveal. Oh, you read it too? Yeah. Oh, okay. So we've all read it. Yeah. There's yeah. a there's a pretty devastating thing that happens early in the book, and then the that's like a flash forward. Uh huh. You don't remember that? Yeah, I do. I but I agree with you. I just didn't think the structure was right. Yeah. It didn't. It was sort of like, how are we gonna, you know, get past this? Did anybody else? And I, I we talked talked to you about this off mic, but. Did anybody else get the feel of uh, Miller's last or one of Miller's old books, Wanted? I really felt like it had a lot of elements of Wanted in it. If anybody it was sort read of, Wanted, well, I guess what maybe we'd say is that he was taking the Wesley kind of character and making him into a willful hero. Mm. If you haven't read Wanted, which is coming out soon, is that uh, trade? coming out this it's summer, coming, it's as a trade? coming in trade. I, I believe it's there's, there's an old trade of it. I have never read it. I, I um, looked for it this weekend, and it's got a film adaptation that is very, very loosely right. based yeah. uh, on it. The idea is that because uh, it was originally a pitch for the uh, Secret Society of Supervillains and Elseworlds, right. in which and logically, I mean, I love the thought process behind this. Was when he was a kid, he asked his older brother. Uh, Mark Miller asked his older brother where the superheroes went, and his brother told him it was because the villains beat them all. And so uh, Wanted is about a world where the villains have quietly taken over the earth. Um, everybody, all societies, uh, law and order, exist to cover up the existence of the villains and let them, and they basically have a free pass. They can rape whoever they want, they can kill whoever they want, they can rob whoever they want. They just have to clear it with the seven 
most powerful villains. So like the a Joker analog has Australia, uh, Lex Luthor has the uh, has the North American continent and that kind of thing. And Wesley is this loser guy who discovers that his father was basically like Deadshot, and uh, and his father's been killed, and so that means he inherits his powers, and has to train to be a high up in this uh, in this these organizations of supervillains. And uh, so we don't have to go into the whole wanted thing. No, but, but basically, yeah, the so way this is like the flip side. Well, yeah, what Kick Ass is almost like there's this kind of nerdy uh, kid. I don't remember the main character's name. Do you? Anyways, and so he, you know, he's a big comic, ass. yeah, he's a big comic fan, and then you know, and but it's in that total Miller style of, you know, everything's so over the top and violent and and uh, and just I don't know, just almost kind of ugly. I don't know. Did you did you get an ugly feel? From it the is book? ugly. I don't. Yeah. I, you know, but I will say something interesting. I do think he writes high school boys really well. Yeah. Because the scenes I, I, with the high school boys, they're kind of the outcasts. I'm like, yeah, that's very believable to me. I didn't. Have I almost felt like it was stereotypical. I though. didn't have as negative a feeling as you did. Really? I, okay. I, I, I actually, didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. I, I just, actually felt like there was some. There was a story that could develop out of this issue. I wasn't. I was going to give it another two or three issues. And but here's the thing: like, I see what you're saying, and it could be, you know, for a good story. But I just feel like it had so many elements from everything else. That I really felt like I'd read it before, like especially reading Bendis's powers, where you know he's done a couple stories where there's been you know oh people that have decided to put on the costumes and become capes and who ended up getting beat up or you know killed or whatever, and it's just like I just feel like we've read so many stories of the whole normal man taking up a costume and then you know suffering these consequences. I just feel like it's 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 not really a new avenue to explore, and I almost felt like. Anytime I read Miller's stuff, I almost feel like he's writing just – I almost feel like his stuff is very exploitive. Is that the word I'm looking derivative. for? Not derivative. Exploitative? Exploitative maybe. You know what I mean? Where it's just – and I felt like this book was very – and that's kind of my problem I had with Civil War. was like writing all these characters with just this attitude. You know what I mean? Like, you know, mm-hmm. and changing just everything we've known. And so it's like I always get the feeling that in all his books, all he, he writes with a certain voice – where all his characters have a certain attitude where they're all just mean and ugly and nasty to each other. And maybe that's his style, but I just – I don't know if I want to read that in a Well, comic. the risk of getting uh, angry letters from Scotland. Um, oh, I say send it in. It'd be great. All right. I, I believe that's something about the Scottish – I mean, they're lads. I mean, this, this soccer hooligans – Come from Scotland. That's who Mark Miller is. Well, I don't want my Captain America to be a, Scot- a, a soccer hooligan. You know what I mean? So that was kind of my no, problem. I, I, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> but Mark Miller, though he has, he has lived in, I, I believe he lived in the United States for a while. Um, I mean, he just, it's just, it, it is a very Scottish attitude towards, and I, I suppose in some ways that kind of why, you know, superheroes kind of got reinvigorated in the 80s, this, you know, infusion of, of the, the writers from the U.K., who really look at comics, you know, superheroes in particular from an outsider's perspective because superheroes are not, we're not, I think they are now, but we're not as crazy popular in the rest of the world as they were in the United States. So it's kind of a, it's, it's almost a uniquely American phenomenon. They don't take as much for granted. Everything has to be proven to them as far as storyline. and yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so with Kick-Ass, let's follow up on this story. So we see potential, possibly we like it. We don't. What's what's? I think it could be an interesting movie. I you know, and I'm willing to give any you know any concept uh, you know a, 
a I look. like the idea as long as they don't as long as it doesn't turn into the analog of okay, so he put on a cape, so now all of a sudden there are going to be caped criminals to because that's what happens when a superhero shows up. When you want the dark that's the real story. Well, I was going to say, yeah, isn't yeah. that didn't we handle that with Batman Begins? Yeah, I think that's the that's, that's what, the criticism what's... of Batman in that world is mm. that none, we didn't have anybody like the Joker until you showed up. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. But as long as they stay away from that, as long as as long as they stay true to that premise, where this is a guy who's putting on the costume and he's trying to go out there and do good, and we'll see what happens. Well, I don't know. I mean, that's to me that question is: if you were, <clears throat> you know, if you decide to put on why, I mean, and it's asked by the character in Kick Ass, why don't more people do that? Yeah, you want to be happy, you want to do good, and as you've pointed out, and we're going to be exploring this. There is a movement across the United States of people putting on costumes right now. The reels. The reels. Uh, what did you guys say the guy's name was here? In this uh, one in, uh, in Mr. I. Mr. I? E-Y-E? E-Y-E. Yeah, and now I've been uh, on MySpace, friends with this guy named, you know, friends, uh, uh, with a guy named Mr. Well, Silent. Let's, let's just go into it right now because it's a good transition. So why don't we explain what we're talking about? People who are... Kind of in a, I'd say in a non-violent way. They're non. They're Mr. confrontation. I, Mr. I goes through his credentials as being all trained in martial arts and an ex PI, mm-hmm. and but uh, yeah, they're all they're out there doing various things. As far as there's one guy who puts on a uniform and goes out and picks up trash, and then mm-hmm. there are some people who are just out there looking out for other people. Mm-hmm. But they're in so kind of like guardian angels. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, he was in fact, really, when when I first heard about this, I thought it was a lead into a story about the Guardian Angels. Okay. I think it's uh, I think Minneapolis is where this guy Mister Silent started. The first one I encountered of these real world guys, and they go out and they just patrol every night. They you know like yeah. four or five hours walk in the neighborhoods where where um, and they know, do it in costume. In costume. What what do we really think about this? Couldn't they just patrol and keep an eye out, like a la neighborhood watch? And accomplish the same thing. Well, it's it's as I it's as I explained to uh, my daughter asking about the origin of Batman uh, a few days ago. It's like that. She said, "You know, I know why he, you know, bad guys killed his parents, and he he uh, fell into a cave full of bats." I said, "Well, there's a little thing in between, but there you go." And the idea is that you know, criminals are a superstitious and cowardly lot. I think there is something in which. And why the the guardian angels wore a uniform? There is something about that's a little more bizarre, a little not not even laughable. Just like it's so bizarre that somebody is uh, gonna it might be scary. To it it might be scary to somebody. It might make me think like, it's like what the hell is that coming towards me? Although I got to say, on did you watch Andy Samberg's video a couple of weeks ago? This little operetta about being a superhero, and and I knew this where it was going. He's like, you know, it's this great. And he's a terrible singer, but it is rock song like all this pain and the city below, and he's clearly like setting himself as a Bruce Wayne in the penthouse. And I'm like, yeah, he's gonna be a superhero, and he does this basically knockoff on Chris O'Donnell's Nightwing costume or Robin costume. I'm sorry, it looks like Nightwing, Robin costume. He has a mask and he goes, and it just it swells into this. Now criminals stop, and the guy just wails, <laughs> beats the crap out of him. And I went, yeah. Yeah, sadly, that's exactly what would happen. But you know, in in apparently, that's not been happening to these guys. No. These superheroes have not uh, superheroes. These mystery men have not been messed with very much. Reels. Well, have Is they that what really, they're calling themselves? They're, reels. They're the reels. Yeah. But have they ever? Have they had any true adversity? I mean, 
Uh, anybody remember the John Ritter movie Hero at Large? I do. Love that. I movie. love that yeah. movie. So, but, but hey, remember I wanna, that one? I want to. I want to draw this to a close right here because I think we all need to do a little more research. Yeah, and we'll get one of them on. And, okay. And uh, because well, yeah, we don't Mr. Know I is local. Let's yeah. get him in. Let's get him. Let's in. absolutely try to get him in. Okay. Okay. But for just reference to what we're talking about, we're going to put maybe put some links up on the site, or because mm-hmm. I didn't get a chance to see the links you had sent. Rick sent some links, so I can. But I, can I had those actually live. on CNN like headline news, they had a teaser for it, and I had kind of saw. I'm all, what is that? And I didn't get a chance to see the whole thing. But Mr. I has a uh, MySpace page with all his credentials and photographs and. Hmm. Interesting. Pretty cool. Well, we'll be checking that out. All right, let's get back to movies, I guess. But before we go, I just think we should say the people out there, don't take the law into your own hands. Thank you. I approve of that message. Okay. All right, but I like the idea of guys running around. And guys oh, did we talk about? I'm sorry to to, to sidetrack here <laughs> before but, we could even get back on the track. Right, right. But uh, did did real fast? Did any of you guys check out the premiere issue of Baggage? Anybody catch that out? No, I did not. Oh my goodness! I got okay, I'll check that out. I got a preview uh, copy of it. You guys should really check it out. Okay. Baggage. Well, it's baggage. Okay. And I, I want to try and set up an interview with the uh, creator if Thank I can. Thank you, Lon. So <laughs> we're looking forward to that. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what's happening. Uh, all right. Uh, to speaking of baggage, things that have been weighing Lon down for weeks is our taunting with different things in and out of the GI Joe movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to talk about other things. Okay. No. Last week, was it last week that they uh, yes uh, last released Wednesday when we were spo- yeah when we were thinking about podcasts we're like there's not going to be anything they, in they, and then just about. as we get down to the store they release pictures of of Ray Park as Snake Eyes. Now the only GI Joe I have any vested interest in whatsoever because it's the only GI Joe I bought. Well, he's iconic. I mean, he's the you know you yeah. think of GI Joe. He's all the best Snake Eyes. Yeah. Absolutely. Out of the original 12 G.I. Joes released, uh, I was the only action figure I bought. I had the original one. He was a commando. Yes. Uh, so intriguing look. Everything about Snake Eyes. So Ray Park, there you, so you saw your first photo. How are you, ha- what, how are you thinking? Mm, the first, there were two. Did you see the two? I believe I saw two. Yeah. Okay, there's the one where he's got the sword and the gun. And it's essentially, he's in like a rubber latex muscle suit. Which, you know, with the right lighting will look good. Um, a couple problems I had with it, it was just like, it didn't look military enough for me. It looked more superhero to me, which... Uh, but shiny. I think Snake Eyes always has looked the most superhero-y to me. Uh, you pro- you're probably right. And the other, the other complaint I had probably was... why I bought him. The other complaint I had was they put his tattoo on the outside of his suit, which... I don't know. I I almost think I I I think I don't remember the toys. I almost think they might have had a snake eye toy where he eventually had his tattoo on his shoulder. Maybe I'd Is have it to go a back. Sleeve? And look. Could he have the tattoo underneath the sleeve as well? No, no, no. It was it was definitely it's a red right. It's that, that it's the red mark that he had on his yeah. shoulder. Mm-hmm. Right. But in the original comic, that was a big reveal. That he came from Cobra originally. No, no. no. Well, that him and Storm Shadow were from the same clan. So he had it on his forearm, always covered up, and so did, I believe, Storm Shadow. They had it in the same place. So when they actually had a battle, it was a big reveal that, whoa, they both, you know, because the whole time Storm Shadow was introduced as this enemy mm-hmm. in this, this badass ninja. And so when they had this confrontation, they were both left apart, and they, it was revealed that, whoa, they have the same tattoo. Now they're connected in somehow, which is a great story but point. What I, what I think is interesting is that, you know, again, pushing... Uh, Snake Eyes is the first Joe we've seen, and then in an interview, 
mentioning Storm Shadow. I think that's going to be the push of the film. Oh yeah, no, I mean I think that's that and I think that's the way to go. That's probably the the, the easiest storyline for anyone to follow is that personal battle between the two of them mm-hmm. in the midst of this. I mean, because they're throwing everybody into the pit pot. You've got Destro, you've got the Baroness, and oh, Cobra and were- Commander, and I'm with you. I just I I'm I'm having a hard time. I do think he's a great actor. Oh, and Starscream. Oh, sorry. But, yeah, but I'm having a hard time. That uh, it's coming. Uh, don't you worry. <laughs> that's coming. Uh, that I'm having a hard time seeing Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Cobra, Cobra Commander. Commander. I they had mentioned. I believe it was uh, Access Hollywood had some stuff online this week that had some uh, interviews with different cast members, and they were talking about you know the movie or whatever. And uh, they, someone had said something. It's going to be kind of an origin type film like a start off thing so you know if they look at everybody when they're young and you know get them kind of you know at the beginning it could, that's a lot of origins maybe it, yeah maybe it could work I don't know but also in an interview uh, what was it Tatum Channing or Channing, Channing Tatum Channing I hate that guy's name um, he, Channing Tatum Stalker Channing got it okay Carol so Tatum he, ta- yes Tatum O'Neill got it talks like this um, but no, he did. He was, he's playing Duke, isn't he? No, he's playing Dolly. Anyways, uh, so he had oh done. Oh my goodness! He had done, he had done some press. No, let's not start that. Um, no, but he had done some press, and they were. He was promoting that movie Stop Loss, which is a real Iraq War movie. Mm-hmm. It opens this week, I believe. And so by the time were, you hear this, uh, it's open. And so they had asked him, "Oh, so you're doing another war movie, GI Joe?" And he kind of went, "No, nah, it's not really another war movie." Uh, he said it's 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 different. It's a totally different type. And then he basically said, "It's X Men. It's X Men. I'm just doing the X Men." And so it was kind of like almost. And what's funny in all the interviews I saw, it almost seemed like nobody was really proud of that role. You know what I mean? Like they talked to Dennis Quaid. So you're playing General Hawk and GI Joe, and he's kind of like, "Yeah, yeah, I am." You know? <laughs> and they talked to Santa Miller. Oh, you're in this. New- oh, I'm uh, playing the, the Baroness. You know? It was like nobody really seemed like. Excited to be, you know, in GI Joe, you know, and then especially, you know, the guy who's playing Duke is like, oh, yeah, it's just, I'm just doing the X Men, whatever, well, who, you know. Who, who is playing Duke then? No, that's uh, Channing, Stalker Channing. That's, Chan- that's Channing Tatum, yeah. okay. Or Tater Tater Tots, Tater Channing, or whatever his name is. Uh, uh, yes, I, I, it's hard. Okay, it, it it's is. too many syllables. That, yeah. We should move on. Lon's having a meltdown. He is. I am losing it. Okay, well, let's yo, move, Joe. Let's oh move. no, no, one last thing. Of this, of this really, because I had a segue. Okay, go ahead. No, no, one last thing was in the in the article. It, it said, and it's possible that in the movie, the phrase "now I know" and knowing is half the battle might make it into the movie. And I was like, why would you make it a point to include that cheesy GI Joe PSA line in your big picture? Like, I was just like, I'd rather see that than I'm the juggernaut bitch. Well, you're probably going to see it. Yeah, so. I'm fine with that. Okay. I'm fine with that. I as mean, little, as a little know, nod because, or something. Because, again, to me, look, it's G.I. Joe. It's like watching Transformers. They're toy lines. I just want when it happens, the guy who says it looks at the audience and winks. <laughs> That's what I want. <laughs> I want, someone, totally to, I, I want someone to look at like a G.I. Joe's been shipwrecked for like three months and they find him and they go, wow, you got lifelike hair and beard. <laughs> Some kung fu grip you got there, huh? 
Yeah. Wait, is one of them an eagle eye, Joe? You know, I mean, I, I, if, if so someone you don't, you don't really if, if care so, if someone says they're like a, I do. No, I don't. Okay. If someone says they're a fighting man from head to toe, I'll be happy. I want to nod to my Joe, the twelve inch guys. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I want one guy to walk on. And they'll say he'll say, you know, you're well, too you're, tall. Leave. You're a land adventurer. You've got are you got a scar on your. I cheek. want I want one of them to pull their dog tag in order to talk. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, Joe. I want I want the, the the Buddha idol and the cobra. You know those, these boots never fit. Yeah, you know I want. So all I'm saying is I understand. Look, it's an integral part of your childhood. <laughs> no, but also to understand takes off the boot and his foot's still stuck inside of it. No, but also under- damn it, I hated that. <laughs> They're doing a story off the real American hero line. Yes, which yes. was my generation's line. So yes. you have to understand that that's if they're gonna pick. That line, if you're going to do a G.I. Joe and then encompass all the toys and everything else, I can see that. Because it's all about But Bond. you're picking the real American hero line, which has an established canon and mm-hmm. should be respected. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. And I, and I got to say, though, it always bothered me. Always. I, taught, I was working at daycare centers when, those, when the, the cartoons were really popular. And it always bothered me that we'd see the kids and they'd be playing with their figures and they were so locked into continuity. Now, I realize... It's no different now if I have my, you know... Marvel character. Yeah, if I have a Marvel character or whatever, it's kind of... But when you got your original G.I. Joe, you... You had no continuity. Had no continuity. It was just... You were just whatever like, adventure... I'm a soldier. You... I'm one faceless person among well, thousands. But I that was all because of Larry Hama's, you know... Yeah, no, He I mean, had made those little uh, battle cards on yeah, the back. No, I, you know, I give credit to Hama. I mean, give credit to Hama. Yeah. It's, uh, you know... It's they just, created some magic. It's just, again, I'm looking for a movie that's fun... And Action I'm, I'm sorry, sure. I don't have a vested interest. And I, but I do understand. It's like I've said, you know, look, Speed Racer, I I find myself curiously completely caught up. And I, and if they break anything in, con- in my concept of how it should be, I'm going to be, oh, man. You know, so I do get it. I just, it's okay, just so not, We can relate on we that. We can though. relate okay. on that level. I'm just, you know. Yeah, but hey, at least you got a good actor in your movie. You got Emil Hirsch, so he is a good actor. He's a dang good. I got actor. Tater Channing, so I, I, mean, I got. Uh, and I don't forget who I got as Racer X. I got Matthew Fox, <laughs> with no tear ducts, <laughs> no tears. Okay. You can't see him behind the glasses. You can't. He's crying inside. Yeah. I always felt that about Racer X. Always. I did finally see the European version of that commercial, and he's he's like so gritting his teeth as <laughs> he blurs awesome? Isn't it it's awesome? Perfect. I'm just going to I really want careful to- speed. It's getting ugly out there. I can hardly wait yeah. to see that film. Like these subtle plugs for Speed Racer keep showing up. They're not even on my on my itinerary. But what is on my itinerary is a is this a win or a loss for fans? Fanboys, which we talked about a few weeks ago, that the five hundred first squadron or five hundred first legion, Vader's fist was uh, boycotting the Weinstein Company's film called Fanboys because because. Uh, the original script, the original version shot by a, a director named Kyle Newman. Has he done anything else, Lon, that you're aware of? I, I'm unaware. I, I don't know. And I want to, again, because I wrote an article about this on Monday night, and I want to, again, give the caveat. As far as I know, this movie could be great. This movie could suck. I have not seen it. I have no idea. I just like the concept. Was that it takes place in 1998, these five Star Wars fans, one of them has uh, has cancer and uh, is likely to die before The Phantom Menace is released. So he, his friends decide to take a road trip and break into Skywalker Ranch and steal a print so he can see Episode One before he dies. 
And along the way, they have wacky misadventures, blah, blah, blah. I like the idea of throwing the road trip comedy in with it. It's kind of a bittersweet, uh, melancholy underpinning. Their motivation is selfless. Yeah, it, it's kind of a comp. It's kind of making the potential for a complex film. I, I don't know because I, I haven't seen it. I saw a trailer. It was on the Pulse DVD last year. I watched it. That was really funny. It's got uh, the guy that has the cancer is Jay Barrochell, who's been a Judd Apatow uh, semi-regular, was on the Undeclared series and was in um, Knocked Up. Uh, so I think he's a good actor. Seth Rogen makes a, makes an appearance. Uh, you know, so a, lot of, a lot of Apatow guys. So the news this week but, is... Yeah, but what it, the, why the 501st was boycotting was they had donated their time. So a lot of they saved a lot of money on extra work, extras work, by getting these storytellers, the five hundred first to show up because the five hundred first, some people lose track of. They 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 are a charity organization for cancer research, so clearly their mission dovetailed with the message of the film or a theme of the film. Sound like the perfect marriage too. Star it did. Wars movie about cancer, a charity organization about cancer mm-hmm. with Star Wars involved. Yeah, it's like a absolutely, Reese's peanut butter absolutely. cup. And apparently, this film was a, this cut was a was a celebration of Star Wars fandom and appreciating all the you know a lot of inside jokes and Kristen Bell. So I can't fail to mention that. Uh, but the Weinstein Company got it, and they hired a director named Stephen Brill. And I can't remember what he's done. A couple of things that I've seen the credits and gone, ah, it's all right. And apparently, he recut it took all references out to, of the cancer, so taking away that story motivation, and turned it kind of into a movie that sort of made fun of Star Wars fans instead of celebrating Star Wars fandom, at least from the perspective of the 501st. And again, not having seen either, I don't know. Uh, but and So they, they're upset on two stands. Yes, and they were, and, and they were asking cancer and that we all boycott superhero ship. movie, and there's an official online organization oh, really? to boycott superhero movie because it's a Weinstein Company film. Damn. Well... Look, we're gonna see it, uh, but they didn't. They're not bothering with press screenings, as I figured. I mean, they don't have high hopes for this being like a brilliant film, superhero movie. But you know, it might be fun. Eh, you know, Lon Lon well, made why, me pay money for epic movie. I so sure why is. are they? Pro, so they're protesting. But what was the news that was released? This so the week? news was released after they did a after they did somebody did a YouTube video that called, about Darth Weinstein. Uh, they. Uh, the Weinstein Company released a, a, pre- a press release on Monday that the DVD release will feature both versions of the film. Uh, kind of what we thought. So you can make up your mind. Not, but that no, was... I thought your article said you but had the... to buy the two-disc version. Yes. So yes. there's probably going to be a single-disc version. That'll just be the that'll theatrical. That'll just be the theatrical, but you're could probably going to have to pay but extra. But the question is, they're still not resolving that there's a theatrical release, which leads to, to me that... True that. They, they don't, you know... That they don't have a lot of faith. In they this don't have movie. a faith, faith in this movie one yeah. way or the other. But we'll at least have a chance to see it the way it was originally meant to be seen. I'd say history tells me that when the Weinstein's meddle with comedies, I've had a lot of issues. I think uh, Terry Gilliam did the Brothers Grimm, and apparently it was the Weinstein's were really super involved in that, and I think ruined that movie. So you know, I I'm going to side with the 501st sight unseen on this. It's that, hard to make Terry Gilliam not funny. Yeah. Uh, but they did it, yeah. So um, unless he's purposely doing it, you know, and so that, exactly. So I think that uh, I'm going to side with the five hundred first sight unseen that the original deeper film. It'll be interesting to see, you know, just is it. I don't know if this is a blow for 
you know, we're trying to get more complex complexity in film, or you know, we'll what's going to win see. out? We'll have to we'll see. Have to see. But it's kind of it's interesting to note. We'll see in the future. Uh, a film I saw last night that's already opened up in England uh, and played, but it has sort of a lot of uh, credentials that tie into the fanboy thing. Run, fat boy, run, not run, fanboy, run. That looked really good. Run. It was a it was a sweet movie. Yeah, it, and. I, I read a there's a little press press pull. It's Simon Pegg, isn't it? Si- Simon Pegg, yeah. Who of course then CNN interviewed at the premiere party Monday night, and he g- gave out a little tidbit about Star Trek because he's playing Scotty, and he said basically, you know, look, there's yeah, I'm not going to make it my own role. It's James Doohan's, and I kind of like that attitude. It's like, look, you know, everybody, these guys are the Star right. Trek characters are iconic. You know, don't give it this bold new spin. It's like. Oh, you're an angry Scotsman. You're, cha- yeah. <laughs> you're the engineer. You should probably drink during the movie. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And, and so I'm like, okay, that's good. Yeah. So it was Simon Pegg uh, starring in a film with uh, it was David Schwimmer Ross from Friends directed from a screenplay originally written by Michael Ian Black uh, from the state. And uh, does he start off in a fat suit or is he just kind of no? He's just or? a little. He's just a little pudgy. Okay. Uh, you know, it's kind. Of, and it was kind of a, the plot was that he was basically this guy who. Um, he he got his girlfriend pregnant at the he, and at the altar he panics and and leaves and runs away. So you got that motif. And then five years later, she's been nice enough to kind of le- let him stay in the son's life, and um, but he's out of shape. He's overweight. He's just kind of blah blah blah. And she's met this new super rich guy um, who runs marathons, and so he determines that, that he's going to run this marathon with the guy in order to prove that he can he can you know at least finish one thing he started you know and they wait a minute wait a minute simon pegg's playing a lovable loser yeah. and never finishes anything and yes. then it's kind of like spaced isn't it it's kind of like uh sean of, of the dead, dead and kind of like everything else sean that he's not hot in. fuzz oh you're right uh-huh. that was a different that was different yes maybe that's why i like that yeah Look, you know, if you're going to get on a guy's, you know, it, people have personas. People like seeing them. No, I can't. I mean, dude, stuff. every Will Ferrell movie is the same. So, I mean, yeah. I can't. Yeah. yeah. So, it was cute. It's, it's good British sensibility, but uh, I thought, you know, fairly funny. Hank Azaria plays the guy that's uh, the rich rich dude oh, without an accent. So, he's like the one American in the film. And uh, it was it was pretty fun. Going to be surprised. a hit or just mediocre? Uh, kind, of, kind of like a sleeper. Kind of a Juno-level mm-hmm. kind yeah. of thing. Because it's not one of those that's like... Uh, immediately, it's funny. I I found a lot of things you know ridiculously funny, for maybe the wrong reasons. Like there's this guy David Williams who is a member, of, well, a member, two man troupe that does Little Little Britain, a series I think is hilarious. Now I don't know, you know, I think the guys the guy catches little character details that a lot of actors don't, and I'm like, it's impressive. But for me to describe his cameo is to ruin it. But you know, so I'm not going to. But it's like, is that funny to somebody else? I don't know. I found it very funny, and mm-hmm. my friend I went with, he, he laughed his butt off, and you know, so we, you know, it was fun. It was a good movie. All I like right. Simon Pegg. It's lazy to say it's Shaun of the Dead meets a rom com, though. It's just Simon Pegg. That's all, and I like Simon Pegg. So we go to television, but it's, but it's not lazy though. If if you said he follows the same character kind of thing, I guess there are no zombies in Run Fat Boy Run. They're not chasing him. That's not why he's running. <laughs> but in Shaun of the Dead. He was a similar character, and he was doing a lot of running. Yes. So there was your comparison. It's more like space. <laughs> your okay. witness. <laughs> uh, okay, I can't. You're all right, Lon. You're defending a quote whore. Good for you. Good I was for just you. playing devil's advocate. Yeah. That's all. yeah. Devil's 
Uncle Rick. All right, so um, the <laughs> the uh, let's go to TV, shall we? Mm. Speaking of slackers, Reaper came back. Did it? It did. Reaper's been on. How for, did I miss that? Because uh, it's on Thursday nights against Lost. Oh, so what we're oh, saying that was is that brilliant programming is that two shows that appeal to a certain demographic are scheduled head to head. Who was the ad wizard who came up with that one? Sorry, that was from Saturday Night Live. Anyways, um, yeah, who at the CW was was thinking like programming? Hey, you know what? Let's put it up Thursdays at nine. I don't really announce it. Yeah, and, and not promote of, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We've got this great show that everybody was really into and excited. Got a lot of press. And why, wait, why did they even move? What was on what, Tuesdays? It was on Monday. Wasn't it Monday nights? No, it was Tuesday nights, I think. I don't know. I was TiVoing it for... <laughs> Me <quite> too. <laughs> it's like, what What? What did they I have to put on Tuesday? Why? I just I didn't find that much going for it. After like four shows, I was going, okay... And I know what the devil's going to do at the end, and I know it's going to. You know, yeah, see, you. you I love it. They did. They did. They did. Figure out how this one works. now. They did establish and, a formula, and now, and though that part of the formula is still there, they've also broken with the tradition. They've got a, a subplot with a with him dating someone else who is likely the devil's daughter, and uh, then in this last episode, they introduced Michael Ian Black, and uh, I can't remember the other guy's name. Um, shoot. Uh, but he was in the ten uh, as well. Uh, but he was a member Showalter. of the state. Show, uh, not Showalter, but he he, uh, he was a member of the state as well. Wayne David Wayne. No, the guy that was on Men Behaving Badly, the one that probably has the most the most mainstream acting career, and which is a shame now that I can't think of his name. And I'm sorry because he's actually well, he's really good. Not one of the guys from Stella, right? No, he's not one of the guys from oh, Stella. Okay. He's had a he really has legitimately had a mainstream acting career. Like I've seen him on like cop shows and stuff in mm-hmm. Law and Order. Um, Anyway, the, but you uh, know, I just realized why they moved him off a of Tuesday. Why American Idol? No, yeah, yeah. everything, everything's yeah. running away from American. Yeah, everybody's Idol. afraid of American Idol, so it makes sense. But I mean, don't I mean, put it at Thursdays at eight. Yeah, but that that actually would pull people away who are only marginally into American Idol. True, but and when American Idol does people, twenty million views in a night, I but mean, the overlap between Lost and this show is much stronger. Sure, yeah, I absolutely, agree. absolutely. And I think the show has gotten better in its plotting. It's it's still a little formulaic, but it's had some really loopy guest stars. Patton Oswalt was on, was a great great episode, a great guest star. I think for a fanboy show, it's great. I love Jamie it. Kennedy. Uh, you see, I love a couple the, weeks ago with the would be rock star. Here's the whole thing with the story. I love the interaction between the main character and his sidekick. I like his interaction yeah. with him and the devil, and it's basically just it's essentially a coming of age story. With you know weird fanboy, whatever subplots, but it's essentially it's just it's a teen dramedy or comedy. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like he's basically he wants to get the girl, hangs out with his drunk buddies, you know, has some fun, and then yeah, solves some crimes. Time, but so. it just it wasn't going anywhere for me. After I thought it four had some very, some very clever moments. I will admit, I love there, sock. there have been subplots that just like they brought up and then just sort of dropped and they haven't gotten back to yet. Uh-huh. But again, I think like the writer's strike messed things up. Yeah. You know, it messed up, honestly. It messed up the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Oddly, I think I wa- started watching it during the writer's strike when they were doing reruns. Uh, I think of, I of Reaper? Mi- I, yeah, yeah, Reaper. I missed the But, original. you know, like the Sarah Connor Chronicles, supposed to be 13 episodes. We got that cliffhanger that wasn't supposed to be a cliffhanger. That's just, you know, Fox hasn't committed yet to yeah. more episodes. 
What was the so, cliffhanger? I forgot. Everything blows up. Yeah, basically. Oh, right, 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 yeah. right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a surprise. What a surprise. Thank you, Dallas. <laughs> but you They know, were the first ones to actually end yeah. seasons with everyone dying so that if anybody didn't want to come back on contract, they yes. could just write them out. Uh, you know, so I, I don't believe that. It would have, but that wasn't even meant to be the cliffhangers, my, yeah, my point. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to be feeling those repercussions from the writer strike. The writer strike could not save Jericho. Apparently, this show that uh, no, it, well, I don't know. The writer strike couldn't save it, but then the fans did save it temporarily. Once, yes, by sending cans of nuts to the studio last year at the end. I don't understand fandom. Of, uh, I, yeah, don't feed the homeless. Let's send nuts to the studios. If you want to save the moron life, send in lawn plushies and no. morons. <laughs> what kind of nuts do you like, lawn? <laughs> you know what kind? Salty. Yeah, so Jericho had like a six, got a six episode second season. They really compressed the storytelling, and apparently it became more like a miniseries and good thing because yeah. it looks like it didn't get renewed. You know, I didn't really watch it when it came out. I had a friend who loved it, so we ended up watching it one night, and I was just going, ah, eh, I have the first season eh. on DVD. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. I watched most of the first season, and I just found it towards the end to be kind of just painful to watch. I just, I, yeah, I wasn't that's too bad. I, I really like Skeet Ulrich. Yeah. Uh, I, I watched a couple of the episodes after they came back from the writer's strike, and I felt that that was actually moving the story along nicely. And I think I'll, I'll think probably watch the, the final, the concluding Too little, episode. too late? Yeah, too little, too late. That's too bad. Mm. One that we are glad it's back. Ready? Go ahead. Big Bang Theory. Yes. You know, I have to say that I did not know the new episode was coming back. And so I uh, was checking the TiVo, and I was like, "Oh, Big Banger!" Uh-huh. I I told it to not replay, you know, record repeats anymore. <laughs> so I went and looked at the description, oh, no. and it was all 2008. And I was all, "Hey!" And so I checked Merry it out. Christmas to me. Yeah, and I was like, I had a little <laughs> surprise Easter. waiting in my TiVo. I was so excited. I yeah, I, yeah, I, I I missed it when it came back. I watched the the, the return episode on online CBS actually. I gotta say, the CBS website probably the least buggy of the interfaces to show uh, to show their televisions. I you know I've watched things on NBC had had problems galore on NBC.com. ABC's not too bad. ABC's not too bad. I've watched a couple things on ABC and gone eh, okay. I, I catch up with Lost on that. Yeah. Yeah. I had the first episode came back and I had Debbie come into the living room. I said, "Sit down. If you don't laugh out loud at least once in the first five minutes, I won't bother you at all about this again." She she just laughed all through the you know the, that business with the remote control car is just, <laughs> oh just like that would be me. That would be me. <laughs> <laughs> It was wrong, yeah. Uh, but yeah. I and, and back to the and the, the funniest thing for me, of course, because you know, again, working for catastrophic comics and trying to convince them that, look, you know, the Grand Spring Hero thing is the right thing to trade on. At the end of that episode, they have the two geeks in China. Yes, and one oh, of them and, was, one and was wearing, wearing the, the Greatest American Hero shirt, and I'm yeah. like, hey, come on, like, you know. So I, it was. You know, I heard about that. Did you notice they switched the uh, How I Met Your Mother and? Uh, no, and, I didn't notice and, that because uh, I've never watched Big it. Bang Theory. No, they, it used to be uh, it used to be switched around, and it turns out that Big Bang Theory has a stronger following than How I Met Your Mother, and so it's now leading into How oh, I Met Your I Mother. Know that. See, that's interesting because yeah. How I Met Your Mother I thought was a very popular show. It is. It is. So it's that's just, good just news because I do game. feel that the Big Bang Theory is a sitcom written for me. Yes. And you know what? One thing we should point out: if if people that have been watching and haven't picked it up. Especially, you know, this is if you have the TiVo. 
You got to pay attention to the produ- the producer's notes oh, at the, the very end, yeah. end of the show. Chuck Laurie, who had done that you know, with Dharma and Greg, yes. uh, you know, was oh, I was for that. I didn't know that. So I knew that. Um, I think the other show he produces is Two and a Half Men. Does the same? Do they? Okay. Yes, they have it too. Yeah. And th- I think there's another one as well because I know I'd seen it before. But as his well. his end card last week referred to the two episodes, uh, the two shows he writes. So I think it's Two and a Half right. Men. Right now, now. I thought now. that's kind of cool though. It's like, you know, you're, you you. You have this show where you've got 30 minutes to fill or 20-something minutes to fill or whatever, and you don't really get to put your own little take in there or whatever, and it's like you have this one frame to just say whatever you want. It's on for half a second. Yeah, and it's like – but if you – you know, now with the days of TiVo or, you know, DVRs, you can just hit that pause – yeah, and you can read the well, whole like, thing. It, it, like, it freeze frame brilliantly on the website on CBS dot com. So I, you know, do you, I, not, do you not? Do you, maybe you don't remember the the one place they used that also was the last episode of Babylon Five. I never watched Babylon after the 5, credits no. ran. They did like fifteen seconds of single frames of everybody who was involved in the show, mm. like oh, group cool. shots. Yeah, but it just went by like that, and you had to go back and, and oh, that's very cool. Freeze very frame cool. through it. Mm. Well, I'm I'm pleased the Big Bang Theory is back, and I'm laughing my butt off. And hey, look, any sitcom that will make a joke about Candor, I'm not positive that the, the continuity bottled, was the right. City of Candor was it the capital city of Krypton? Yeah, I think it was. It was the capital. Uh, All right, I'm, I'm going to go for it. I yeah. just, you know what? I I noticed when I saw that episode. I think the blonde chick's growing on me. She is. I didn't. She is. I didn't really find her that attractive the first couple times, and like. I don't know if she's doing I something she's different with her hair out. or something. I don't know, but she's I found her a lot. I think oh, it's no, no, there was the the one point she got me was when they were going Professor Farman Farman in the latest episode. You saw no, the I didn't see the latest episode. Oh, and and well, when you see it, she there's this there's this thing where they're going to a conference by Professor Farman Farman, and she has to say the sentence, and she's standing next to Leonard, and she goes, she goes Professor Farman Farman, and Leonard goes. Very good. And she just goes, <laughs> I did it right. I thought when she, uh, in the previous episode, when she ended up trying to blow him up with her mind. Yes. Picking, just picking yes. up the scanners yes. thing. And the fact, it's, and that's what I love about it. It's like, it is. You know you know some idiot that decided, that that's the weakness in, in, in Leonard, that you know he would believe that the scanner's ability is real. <laughs> just like, awesome. Yeah. I'll be doing a little... Uh, a throwback because I got a I got a, a, an email this week from Sony. They're releasing uh, the complete Get Smart series on DVD. Ooh, awesome! Just in time for the new movie this right. summer. Right, but you know, see, and and Rick remembered that uh, there's an ad on Fanboy Planet from the Time Life for the complete Get Smart as well, and that's what I thought. I went, wait a minute, I have this huge box set, which I think once again I got to say, the single best box set I've ever had, just in the way the packaging is, consistently funny show, amazing. Um, no, the, the guest Barbara Feldman. Barbara Feldman. Uh, uh, terribly sexy to come up with a catchphrase for the show, uh, for this episode. But um, no, the Get Smart series that they're selling from Sony is only seven episodes long. So I'm reading deeply going. Wait, was it like a special 80s movie they did? It was like- the 90s series oh. on Fox uh-huh. with Don Adams and Barbara Feldman. Uh huh. However, Whoa. the lead was actually Maxwell Smart's son, played by, I know, one of your favorites, uh-huh. Andy Dick. What? Yes. Seven episodes. So that's coming out in time for the movie. My advice, people, if you're confused by these two, ad- now I'll probably write to Sony and say, yeah, let me take a look at that. 
because I'd never watched it. But my guess is on Fox in the early 90s, you only lasted seven episodes. There, there were reasons. A reason. There was yeah. a reason. Um, I mean, it's no Shasta McNasty, but I mean... Oh, that was a UPN series anyway. Oh, sorry. But uh, my advice is to go back, click on that link on the side of Fanboy Planet, and if you can afford it, get that complete set. What also caught my attention about it was, and I know Rick is willing to go with, believe me, up to a point that occasionally I read the Wall Street Journal, and I don't think Lon is, but uh, but, uh, I do. No comics page. I do. There's no comic I just page. read it for the articles. What's the point? So, but I happened, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal this week about what a groundbreaking series Get Smart actually was. That was tying into, obviously, the coming, upcoming film with Steve Carell. I'm going to say Steve Carroll. Good Lord. Uh, Steve Carell, which I am looking forward to, but uh, talking about how many boundaries it broke and how the network really did not understand what they had ordered with this thing and how, you know, it, it kind of... And as you found this an ironic statement, Mel Brooks, Mel Brooks and Buck Henry, yeah, created this in 1965. So before really even Mel Brooks had done the Twelve Chairs, these were just two guys that had written on your show of shows, yeah. And uh, and so you know how they really this article was pointing out how they kind of and you found that ironic, paving the way for sophisticated comedy, but really lowbrow humor and high satire. Like and I and it was weird because they're describing an episode that I do remember. I haven't watched yet on the on the DVD set with Farley Granger, who was in uh, Strangers on a Train and Rope for Hitchcock. Really good actor in the fifties, and he showed up on on uh, on Get Smart as an agent of chaos who was uh, also a Hollywood Hollywood movie studio executive. It said I was in between projects. They were advertising for a criminal mastermind. I felt I could, I, I could use something different on my credits to make me look. <laughs> so, and you know, like there was this satire ahead of its time there, where you know the awareness of what you know a lot of their audiences at the time weren't understanding the jokes being done. It was a terrific satire, and it was in in the the beginning of the heat of the secret agent uh, spy movie series. Well, stuff. the mandate, it's kind of interesting, and I, of course it makes perfect sense to say this now, is that the studio, the network went to whatever studio produced it and said, look, the two biggest movie characters right now are James Bond and Inspector Clouseau. What can you give us that combines both? <laughs> And I thought, yeah, at yeah, 65, exactly. that would have exactly been. I mean, you know, the yeah. first Pink Panther shot in the dark, you know, before the actual movie, Inspector Clouseau. So, no you know, and Bond was, you know, so yeah. it just, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, so, you know, it's one of those probably for the for, for months where I'm going to be coming back to when we get to the, get that box set. Because really, it's totally worth it. It's, the, it's you know. And it, it's, so don't get the seven... Issue I don't know yet. Long. I don't know yet. We'll we'll have to take a look at it. But uh, my guess is, buy the box set. Don't buy the seven episode. What was uh, Andy Dick's son? What was the character's name? Um, Do we know Dick Maxwell? Smart. I don't know. Mac- he might have been Maxwell Smart Jr. That's how uncreative oh, it felt. Geez. And and like Max was head of control. And I think there are some things that you Max was not head of control. Oh, he was in the, in, in in the, the series? series in oh. the in the sequel series. Yes. Yeesh. No, I know, which doesn't make sense. No, the whole point is that you know what makes contr- makes that series funny it's is the how juxtaposition between the very be- straight man. Say, unlike in the trailer, the great thing have you seen the trailer for it where where he asks to act? They tell him he's going to go into active duty, and they and they say he says, "May I ask for the cone of silence, please?" <laughs> <laughs> and then he turns away from them. And he goes, "Yes, this is the greatest day of my life ever. Yes, 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 yes." And they go. Uh, 
Max, we failed to activate the cone of silence. <laughs> that kind of joke. I love that, you know. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited for the film. And and now it's like you got to go back and look through that box set. So we have one major. Well, go ahead. Well, you got. I, there was one other thing that I was going to mention, which was two weeks ago. We you said there were three episodes left of Legion of Superheroes on Saturday morning, but I think this weekend. They're showing the last two at the same time. They may be okay because it's a two. It's an hour long. Then they are, and it's called Dark Victory, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's the resolution of the Kryptonian, the uh, the Imperiax, Imperiax, and uh, Brainiac, and uh, yes, the, and Brainiac, the Superman Brainiac clone. One's programming starts overriding Brainiac Fives, right. Oh, I so look forward to having to explain that one to my son. It looks it looks like a good episode from the I'm trailer. sure it is, you know, and there's the thing. I I'm really kind of bitter that the kids WB, which by the way, with Spectacular Spider-Man, highest ratings in their history. It's a good show. I yeah. watched the third so episode last They've night. already decided that they are not going to be kids WB anymore. They're going to be just like preschool programming next fall. At the time that they're doing better than they ever have with otherwise Completely random programming around a great superhero block. Yeah. You had the Batman, which had really hit its stride. You had Legion Superhero, have Legion Superheroes, which is great. And Spectacular Spider-Man, which I think is a really good series. Yep. Surrounded by this thing, World of Quest, you Skunk forget, Fu. I mean, you got to say, Legion of Superheroes is a double hitter because you got Superman in there, too. Yeah. Young Superman. As far as as far although as what I've noticed the last kids few being episodes, exposed to characters. Yeah, but as far as uh, the last few episodes, and I didn't catch what had happened, but they don't seem to be using Young Superman. They're using that future version, right? A lot. So he's uh, more interesting. He's part of the Dev uh, about the uh, Dev M, and you know. and he's. I mean, he's the Monel standing. I thought it was yeah. a clever way to have a Monel standing without trying to figure out how exactly you explain him. So. Emperex. He's part of the Emperex storyline. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. So by this, by the time we get this up, probably that it will rest in peace, Legion of Superheroes. This might make it out before they... Okay. End. Well, I'm waiting for the DVD set. Yeah. Because I really didn't pay that much attention to the series the first season, and then this season I'm getting totally into it. And so I think there are like three episodes are out on DVD, and that's it. And it's like, come on, give us our season set. Season set. My son really... It's just for the four-year-old man. Come on, Warner Brothers. My son's really into it, and it's, it's thrilling, you know. But they've just—it's been the bastard stepchild of, of, uh, of the animated series. It's like, because there's no toys, there's no anything, and oh my gosh, I mean, how cool! Give me a bouncing boy ball or something, you know? Come on, something—a a lawn plushie, a lawn plushie, bouncing boy right there. Okay, I'd buy that. Speaking, of, hey, bouncing boy, come in here. Um, we got boing. Uh, oh boing. We got WrestleMania this weekend. Do we not? Yes, we do. Do we care? Um, you know what's funny is I talked to uh, our good buddy Mike Flores, who is a wrestling fan as well, and you know it's I don't know what the big draw is this weekend. I mean, the big hype fight is the which I just still do not understand the Floyd Mayweather, which is the legitimate boxer who's actually the best boxer in the world right now. Is fighting the Big Show, and didn't even realize the Big Show was back. He came back, and it's it's getting mainstream press and mainstream coverage, but everybody knows it's you know it's a show. So it's like I don't know. It's just one of those things where like that's that's your one of your big hyped 
Is Big Show still an active wrestler? Or he, is he just, just kind of standing back, on the line. Or? He just came back. He actually lost a lot of weight. He, I guess, in real life, he was training to actually be a boxer. Um, oh. So he he took a lot of boxing training, and that's why he was out for the longest. He was injured too for the longest time. But uh, so that's their not their main main event. The main event, of course, is Triple H, Randy Orton, and uh, John Cena for the heavyweight title. Who's gonna win? Nobody really seems to care. I seem to think that Triple <laughs> there won't H. Be a winner. <laughs> I seem to think Triple H is gonna get the belt on him. But is Adam still here? Adam. Adam. So he's coming. Um, he's coming. Oh, is he? Okay. He said no, and he's walking towards us. Grab a chair. You might need a chair. No, it's oh, a, just it, it maybe. It may be one of Adam's past. This is where you insert one-word Adam, reviews. Adam's wrestle music as he comes down the ramp. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so I'm basically telling about the Mer- the Mayweather fight, uh, the triple uh, the work of the twenty million dollar payday. Right. Right. They had basically. Yeah, that was the other hype. Is that Floyd Mayweather supposedly got twenty million dollars for this match. Which we all think is yeah. BS, and he probably only got about five. Now, but. you do realize that at the same time, the WWE has launched WWE Kids. I just read an article about that, too. But wow. While, while I have Adam here, let's, let's finish on the WrestleMania thing. Okay. Adam, you're a wrestling fan. Are you excited for WrestleMania this year? No, not at all. Okay. Why do you think that is? There is no matches. The only match that would interest me would be the Ric Flair Shawn Michaels match, yeah, we, only because it's going to going to be his last match. Yeah, the, the, that's the other big hype is Ric Flair will most likely reti- retire this Sunday. Yeah. Other, uh, other than that, match. everything is pretty much predictable. And I do understand Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels are both great workers. Yes, so yeah, it that should would be, be a good match. Should be a good match. We'll see. It is, they're gonna they're gonna ruin it. You know, the triple threat match. I don't really care about. Who do you think is going to get the title? Triple H. That's what I thought. I think it's either Triple H or Cena. I just don't see Randy Orton walking out of there with mm, the title. No. Undertaker, I believe he's going to win. They're not going to end his streak. Yeah, that's the other big hype thing. Undertaker's been 15-0 so far. 15-0 in WrestleMania. 15-0 at every WrestleMania. He's never lost a WrestleMania match. So they're kind of hyping that, you know, oh, he might, you know, he's fighting Edge. So there's Edge little... has his Edge heads, and they're going to beat. He's going to be the first one to end the streak. Which um, will be interesting to see. Money in the Bank match. Ever since Jeff Hardy got suspended for... Whatever alcohol, drugs, yeah, whatever he, he's on. Jeff Hardy has been suspended for 60 days for no longer, substance abuse policy. Yeah, he's no longer in the Money in the Bank match, so that takes all most of the excitement out. Again, what? I have to ask, real life or? No, in real life, he, okay. he <laughs> abused the substance abuse policy, which they instated to, you know, to uh, yeah. after the whole Benoit really, incident. It wasn't like Trish Status uh, tricked him into no, you know, no, no, no. injecting and, and something. And in real life, the poor guy gets suspended, and, his house and the fire. next week his, his house burns to the ground. He loses everything. So he had a terrible week a couple weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, l- luckily, you know, they were all out of town. That's right. But, you know, they did lose their dog, unfortunately, oh, yeah. which was sad, but... You know, so that guy had a rough week, and, and in real life, in real life, Shakespearean so drama. To know, right. no, Rick, it's not. <laughs> but, no. uh, but so yeah, no. Uh, then, then of Sorry. course, you have the big show taking on Floyd May- Money Mayweather. No, it just sucks that. to see the big show on his giant comeback match. He's gonna have to lose to a 155 pound guy. Right, exactly. There's no, there's no way that WWE is gonna let Big Show win. Right, and the thing is, the Unless guys like Big Show goes off script. The guy's like seven foot. Mayweather's what five something or you five know. three, 155 pounds taking yeah. on the seven foot right. four thirty something pounds. So it's show. it's going to be so a it's really terrible just a freak man. show. Yeah, it's that's <laughs> yeah. all it is. It's like it's just ridiculous. Be bringing uh, rope and grappling equipment, uh, re- <laughs> yeah. repelling up and that's down. That's what you really like. But, you watch them stand next to each other and you go, "How are they even going to fight?" Like the the worst part about it is you know it's, it's going to boil down nut shot. Right, it's um, going to boil down to a boxing match. 
Right. That's right. the only way that they can even pass off Mayweather winning. Because what's he going to do? He has no muscle to even do anything to the big show. Right. I, you know, the whole thing is, is so, you know, it's WrestleMania is the big. It's like the Super Bowl wrestling every year. It's the biggest event. Um, unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of hype going into this year, well, they, so we'll see how they do. If you watched ECW, they did a whole, there's now a 24-man battle royal mm. where the winner is now going to face the ECW champion, which no one really cares about. Right. So there's a lot of stuff going on that nobody really cares about. So the booking for WrestleMania really isn't that strong, and we'll see if they put on a good show. I don't what's, know. What's the cost to it's subscribe to one It's $60. $60? Wow. Because now they're... That's a tank of gas. Now they're offering it in HD. Mm. So they upped the price by ten bucks <laughs> for this. Okay. Contest. So are you uh, subscribing to that, Rick? You're oh, the I, I know I'm with, there, man. I'll you're be using my coupons. Anything close to money? I'll to be burn. having all my cousins, my second cousins, while we crap. Well, I haven't gotten an well, invitation we, from Goodson yet. I've always had a party for WrestleMania that has five years, and I'm not doing it this year because doesn't interest me at all. Mm. Yeah. At least well, last they, year you had lots of stuff going on. Right. Well, there you have it There's from a real with, wrestling fan. Nothing so. happened with the ladies of wrestling at this point. Oh, no, they're having a, a lumberjack playboy bunny match. Hosted by or hosted hosted by, Snoop, by, by Snoop Dogg. So they got a little star power. Can you explain to me how a lumberjack playboy bunny it's match works? Because it's been a while since yes. I've watched wrestling with any okay, a regularity. Match, for this match, they're going to have all the divas that aren't in the playboy bunny match surround the ring for some reason. With chainsaws? <laughs> we wish. With feathers. No, no. It's the old style of lumberjack fight where if you're you fall, encircled. If you, fall out, if you fall out, they're supposed to pick you up and push you back in. There's no We're escaping this And they match. can't use their hands. No, no, no. That's something else. All right. Then, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're almost to the point where $60 seems like a bargain. <laughs> the, the last, no, the last, it doesn't. The last big match, of course, is for the last couple of years, they've been hyping up you know, Raw versus SmackDown. So to keep with that, they have Umaga taking on... Batista. And apparently for the last couple of times, you know, Batista's just been smashing everybody, showing that he's going to just dominate. It's, it's lame. You know what's funny, though, about that match? There's no consequence. You don't win anything, right? Yeah. Like, SmackDown and Raw doesn't win. It's just for bragging rights. And I thought that match, they could have added a little bit more of a, a prize like a or something. Or, yeah, or something like to make it worthwhile, but they didn't even do that. Well, the only problem so. is if they were doing like a title shot, they have to throw someone who's more of a main eventer than Omaga. Or even just to play into the storyline with the draft, because I know the draft's coming up. Play like, you know, whoever wins that would get first pick in the draft or some stupid thing like that. Anyways, WrestleMania, not sure if it's worth the money, so... We'll see. That's okay. that's pretty much all there is to need to know about and that. So. Thank you, Adam, for coming yes. to the mic. Yes, that was Adam. I, what's the last name, Adam? If you like Moral. Adam and you'd Adam like to hear more of Moral. Adam, Moral. write to... Adam Moral. Write to editor at fanboyplanet.com. That's editor at fanboyplanet.com. Do we need to clarify his name is A-D-A-M instead of A-T-O-M? I don't know. In today's world, you never know. Okay. I believe it is A-D-A-M. I believe it is. And uh, thanks again to Elusive Comics and Games. Absolutely. 2725 El Camino Real, Suite 104, Santa Clara, California. Uh, and well, We broadcast here every Wednesday. So we do. So come you, on down. Hang out. Kick it. Love to see you. And uh, I'm Derek McCaw, Editor-in-Chief of FanboyPlanet.com. I'm Lon Lopez, Editor-in-Chief and Awesome Guy from MoronLife.com. I'm Rick Brettsnyder, and I'm just loving life. That's good. And remember... Use your powers only for good.
This week's podcast is brought to you by Baggage from DC Comics. And thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.lukeski.com. Why won't you look at me when we're making love? No. Okay, ready? No, wait a second. Okay, now I'm ready. Hold it. I'm just kidding. Oh!